Hi, Delora. Ashley. We are back. We are back. How are you? How are you? Seriously. That is that is the question. That is the question. I am surviving. Um, I am (sighs) alive, but for sure, for sure, um, there's some there's some check-ins that are need to happen between us today. There's, I'm I'm so happy that we get to speak a little joy and positivity because as our listeners know, we've spoken on we record this podcast on Thursdays. We do. Yesterday was a dark day in the history of our country. Yes. And the heaviness of that has definitely continued for me into today because of the coverage, the continuation of seeing a lot of the footage, um, obviously just the heaviness of what everything meant and means. And, yes. you know, you are obviously one of the main people I was talking to yes. when it was happening, but the heaviness continues for me today. How are you, my friend? Well, thank you for asking. I've just been doing a lot of thinking. I've been thinking about the American experiment. I remember the first time I heard that phrase, American experiment. I had to have been in my late 20s. And it was, a you know me, I love politics. So it was a political commentator talking about our great nation. And I was like, experiment? And I realized that I was unaware of um, the 250-year rule, (laughs) every great civilization declines after 250 years. Mm. (laughs) You're educating me today because this is a first. Ashley, America is 243 years old. Okay. Wow. So... Um, we're knocking on that door and I, and I'm not saying this to be very doomsday or anything like that, but we have to just take a closer look at where we, where we're, where we are right now, because our state capital, our U S capital has not been ran ransacked like that since 1812. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, dark day, right? And that's both sides of the aisle. It should be considered a very dark day. Um, Thank you for the history. And uh, listeners, thank you so much for um, being with us today. We obviously, again, want to hit you with the pop culture, the entertainment you enjoy, (laughs) but we cannot not address the realities of what's going on in the world uh, and what's going on in America. I do have one more thing I wanted to mention too. My heart has been out for all the individuals who knew your resolution was to get off social media Mm. and to have a dry January. None of those things are happening at this point. That whole dry January (laughs) thing, I didn't even know was a thing. I think I saw Tom Holland post something like, I was good for a good 12 hours. I'm like, bro, you better than me. I've never attempted. (laughs) I'm I sipping mean, on I, some Terramana tequila right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the no social media was me. Like, I went as far as, like, my favorite three are um, Facebook, social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I took off Facebook because, honestly, 
I'm only on Facebook because everybody I know over the age of 40 is on there, right? Exactly. Like you're just only no you're offense. only there to <laughs> no, offense. no shade, um, but a little bit. <laughs> just just a little. Um you still but... actively post on Facebook? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cute. literally everything i post on facebook is something i post on instagram exactly like, that a is how that works. over exactly <laughs> so i literally took facebook off of my off my phone but then you know after yesterday uh doom scrolling commenced for hours that little um time restraint I need for you to get out of my business, okay? Yes. <laughs> yes, I put a limit of two hours on there. But as yesterday, yeah, we, we we went ahead and just blocked that for the rest of the day. Don't give me any more signals. I don't need to know my activities right now. I need to Girl. know if we're going to have a, a world the next day. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And sweet, dear listeners, we hope that you are doing whatever it is you need to do to get through as I've said on a podcast yes. previously, meditation and prayer have been very much saving graces for me. Um, so I hope that you're doing what you need to do for your mental health and well-being because it's a lot. And happy new year, but this is feeling low-key <laughs> like some 2020 <laughs> bullshit that wait, wait, I don't wait. know if I'm going to be able to do. <laughs> December, what, uh, 30th? Or no, I'm sorry, December. How many days has it been? <laughs> This is December 40th. We're recording on the 7th, (laughs) honey. The 7th of January 2021. You know what? You know what? And in this, yes, prayer, yes, meditation, moving your body, grounding Mm -hmm. yourself. Thank Um, you for walks. Thank you for allowing me to be able-bodied to take these walks. Yes. Mm. And, and, And wonderful television. Wonderful television, which is why we created... And welcome back to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. That segue was beautiful, Delora. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to some of our other uh, topics, as well as, you know, some of these hot topics that have been going on this past week. So just one other thing in terms of, you know, the world and news and all of that is, you know, COVID continues to be in the major headlines for all of us. And yes. we spoke previously about the Grammys. Well, the Grammys have been announced to be postponed for those of you yes. who are not Crazy. in the loop. And that is due to COVID-related concerns because they were going to record the show in, in Los Angeles. And it has now been rescheduled for March thir- 14th. I was going to say 13th, March 14th. Um, this is just another award show, obviously, that's getting pushed back because last summer the Academy Awards had already announced that their 2021 show would be moved from February to April. So, well, you know, COVID is running rampant in California right now. Yes, it so is. It, I mean, they have really insane numbers and overran hospitals. So, I mean, I, I'm glad that they're making the tough decisions, but people's lives and healths are in jeopardy. Yeah. And shout out to my girl, Shannon, who is on her way right now. If she has not already reached California to be a nurse uh, in the hospitals there. So God bless Shannon. Love you. Take care of yourself, girl. I have a cousin Um, who's a traveling nurse too. Love you, Audrey. (laughs) Yeah. Love you all. Nurses are amazing. Okay. Absolutely. Um, So hot topics, hot, hot, hot topics. Let's discuss some of the love lives of some of these Hollywood wives, Delora. Okay, first up, Kim 
Kardashian West and Kanye West. Are they on the path to divorce? This week, it was announced on multiple outlets that after six years of marriage and more than eight years together, including four children, that they were going their separate ways. In a statement for E! Online, I read that Kim and Kanye are still trying to work through things in their relationship. They're in therapy, working on their marriage. Divorce has been discussed, but Kim wants more than anything for their relationship to work. There have been rumors that have been circulating since this divorce announcement was out, such as mm. Kanye having an affair with YouTuber Jeffree Star. What the actual? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that is the most insane rumor I've heard in a very, I mean, ever. Well, he point. is fanning the flames a little bit because apparently he has a house in Wyoming. Yes. And as we know, he followed this couple. Kanye and Kim have a ranch out in Wyoming, and that's where Kanye spends the majority of his time. Most apparently, of his time. Apparently, there's a resurfaced tweet from 2011 where Jeffree Star is talking about Kanye had so much, we had so much fun last <sighs> night. So, I don't know how so, true those, those exactly. Those were. Exactly. You don't kiss that, and tell like that if, that, these, if this is true. These are receipts that are definitely shady, definitely... <laughs> Do not seem legit. The story, the rumor originated from a TikTok star who apparently is all about, you know, sensationalism and putting out things that are not necessarily true. But given the events of the past year and some change, girl, this would not shock me. Aliens can show up at my front door today. Let me tell you what. What's good? What what you need? Can I go with you? Can I go with you? I always wanted to go to Saturn. Can you can you hook me up real quick? See, I don't even have a favorite planet. I'm open, you know. You know it's baby girl's know. favorite planet, so that's why it's. I did not know, baby Amara. <laughs> um, so Delora, what do you think when this news dropped about Kim and Kanye possibly filing for divorce? Girl, I was, I was just as surprised as Ariana grande getting engaged like this is not very <laughs> shocking news i knew kim was over it i mean i'm surprised kim lasted this long frankly indeed and I, you know this is the kardashian media machine leaving out breadcrumbs it was just i think it was in december or november kim and kanye live separate lives this is their modern marriage and even this news they haven't filed they're just they're really talking about thinking about getting divorced and exactly you know so that means that relationship has progressed um a lot further than what they're telling us you know so well she has laura wasserman on retainer right so anytime you want to they know how to get divorced those kardashians yeah, I read articles too about the financial implications. Not that either of them will be hurting if they get a no, divorce. But how I mean, do you my God. It? Because uh, Wendy Williams being as messy as she always is, she oh, said Lord. that Kanye built the house, but Kim owns the land. So mm. I like to know how mm. that cookie crumbles. 
I just think they're both so filthy rich at this point. Do we care? You know, you can have that house. It's fine. I'm going to go ahead and go build me another one. I know well, both of them. Point, it's about the who's vindictive. You know what I mean? Like, if, if their relationship is even that. Because honestly, I could see them amicably. Like, I was going like, to say, oh, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if it got to any vindictive level. And as far as the assets goes, both their biggest assets are their individual businesses, right? So again, in terms and of the- he has made her owners of owner of his business, like you know, like she has stock in, you know, I don't know his official name, but you know, the Yeezy, Yeezy brand. And, yeah. So, I my thought when I heard this news is agreed. I was not even remotely shocked, but again. Yes, I'm surprised that Kim, after really hearing like, oh yeah, it has been six years y'all been married. It has been eight years y'all been together. Kim, you lasted seven and a half years longer than I really thought you would at first. I remember saying when Kim and Kanye first got together, I said either they're going to break up after six months or they're going to be together forever. <laughs> because the pairing was seemed like it could be so perfect or a complete train wreck. And I also wonder, like, is Kim really this patient? But I mean, I don't know what it's like to have a multi-millionaire husband. So I mean, you know, people are willing to put up with some things that. <laughs> One thing I read. Oh, and to I don't want to. I'm. I'm not knocking my honey. I don't. I don't want to say that either. But you know what I mean. Like, I don't know. No, because I mean, we haven't spoken to during our conversation right now. But as people who are following any of these, any of this, sorry, celeb you know, stories goes, knows Kim and Kanye have gone through a lot and Kim has put up with quite a bit within the last year, right? He had his whole uh, meltdown with, you know, going after her and her family on Twitter. He had obviously his run, had his whole run for president. Um, There have been a lot of factors that when they've happened, you've wondered how Kim has been managed to stay by his side. I mean, they're both billionaires according to themselves. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, and Kris Jenner, cause you know, that's the, that's what she wants to project out there. No, I don't believe that, but okay. I know they're not broke, but oh, but no, 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 no. They're, they're hardly broke, but as it has been debunked by Forbes, Kylie is for sure not a billionaire, neither Absolutely. here nor there. So back to Kim and Kanye real quick. Kim has put up with a lot in my opinion, but one thing that I read that made a lot of sense was she has felt like Kanye has always had her back until recently. So she had always felt like when they first got together, there were people who would talk so much shit on her name, say, oh, you can't be with this reality star. She has a sex tape mm-hmm. and that's going to ruin your career. He was like, listen, bump all of that. I love her. I'm going to be with her. She that's has hearing, felt like he Her has, being with him has validated her for sure. I mean, as we have talked about off mic with uh, some of the love decisions that the Kardashians <laughs> have made, it has not hurt their brand. We will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that if Kim and Kanye go their separate ways, I just hope for the children's sake that it is, does remain am- amicable. They have four children together now. Can you imagine living in a house with this, you know, self-proclaimed genius who also deals with, you know, bipolar disorder? And- yes. I'm sure the hologram of her father was the last straw. Like that is just... I, no words no I words to say, like, I, I could not tell you what possibly was the last straw because a lot of that I'm was joking was i'm joking no, no no i get it but i'm just saying like for real a lot of things comp- have compounded on each other when i've heard about it and i'm like 
we are not we're not celebrities celebrities no. live in a different world Absolutely. they deal they they accept and deal with a lot of shit that we as normal people do not have to Mm-mm. but kim and kanye wish y'all both the best in whatever direction y'all decide i to just go care in. that their kids are going to be okay you know yeah. want the best for the babies mm-hmm. um and uh obviously guys feel free to let us know your thoughts on the potential kim and kanye divorce <laughs> situation we would love um, to know Let's move on to this Zoe Kravitz divorce announcement that happened as well this past week. So Miss Zoe Kravitz, if you're not aware, is the offspring of Lenny Kravitz and the Lisa Bonet. So her and her husband, who is a fellow actor, began their relationship in 2016. They met apparently at a bar. In June of 2019, they got married at the Paris home of her father, Lenny Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her husband's name is Carl, is it Glusman or Glusman, I believe it is mm-hmm. pronounced maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently, again, the last week, it was announced that after 18 months of marriage, Zoe has filed for divorce. Delora, is this just another example of Hollywood marriages are not built to last? I just feel like quarantine has just opened up people's eyes in ways that they didn't didn't know before. I mean, again, speaking to the celebrity life or the the type of um, you know job descriptions, the the type of jobs they have as an actor, you get up and go, and there's a lot of traveling. You don't really anticipate being with your spouse all day every day. And in some cases, you know, I don't know if she's hurting or anything like that, but like, you know, not thinking about A-list stars, some of these uh, actors and musicians don't know where their next checks are coming <laughs> next. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, not her husband that on is her. not a her husband is not a extremely well-known actor, right? Mm-hmm. She's the A-list star out of the, yeah. the two of them, but I, I'm sure this is not what they signed up for, and a lot can be <laughs> to be together to really be together. <laughs> Is that what they signed up for? <laughs> I didn't sign up to be with my husband 24-7. Honestly, I just... honestly, I, I think it'd be interesting. <laughs> Obviously, I love my husband so much and Amara, but I just feel like, you know, what would it be like if we were bi-coastal? Like, a lot of people do these things, you know? and Yeah, and it works you know, for them. It and works it works for them. for them. And that's honestly how they keep, you know, things going longer than probably what they should be. So being I... locked down, that... That I'm sure a lot of lot of skeletons came falling out the closets because you know everyone was busy dusting during this quarantine. <laughs> that was so well said. I was gonna say it reminds me of what I heard Goldie Hawn say about the secret to the success of her and Kurt Russell's yes. long-standing relationship. In that, over the years, the percentage of time you spend with somebody should lessen. She was like, when we first got together, we spent 100% of our time together. <laughs> After maybe five years, it was like 80. After 10 years, we're going down. By now, yes. it's like, we only need to spend like 30% of our time together. you get together. excited to see your boo after a while. Exactly. Exactly. So, I don't think I, I quoted Goldie sure, completely accurately. Ob- object to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure I didn't quote Goldie completely accurately, but the sentiment is, uh, to your point, that the the less, the, the non-togetherness at 100% of the time seems like it works well, especially when your relationship is seasoned. 
Um, but theirs had not yet gotten season. It'd been 18 no, months, it was, so damn. It was, it was it was pretty fresh. It was pretty new. Four four years, but only 18 months of marriage. So mm-hmm. um Quarantine. unfortunately done it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was sad to hear that that one did kind of surprise me. Um, I thought they were I do, cute too. Yeah, and I follow Zoe on um social media. Same. So you know, I'm I'm a Zoe Kravitz fan. So like, like her daddy. Love that man money. is aging like some <laughs> don't have the words for you sir but you know what you got going on all right so our last hot topic to continue our love lives theme olivia wilde and harry styles delora <laughs> so yet again a story that <laughs> took me by surprise so it seems so random as we know, Olivia Wilde had just had a rather surprising split from her longtime partner, who she was engaged to, Jason Sudeikis. They share two children together. They have been together for, I think, almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Rumor has it that Olivia, who is 36, and Harry, who is 26, mm-hmm. fell for each other on the set of her upcoming psychological thriller that she's directing called Don't Worry, Darling. They took their romance public over this past weekend when they were spotted holding hands at his agent's wedding mm-hmm. in California. Is this a legit romance for Olivia or is she just getting her groove back? Is she Stella out here? Ashley, let me say two things, right? So first, I didn't know they were just simply engaged, her and Jason, right? Mm-hmm. And I took this to my husband the other day. I was like... I have always thought she was outside Jason's league. I have always <laughs> thought that. So that was just an interesting pairing, but I guess she liked to do the made her laugh. Now she wants to look at something because that's what you get <laughs> when you get, she wants to look yeah. at something and she wants that accent. Okay. <laughs> and as I think Justin or somebody said, when I was watching the story, they can share clothes. <laughs> <laughs> They have the same aesthetic. <laughs> they can share them clothes. Oh my goodness. Okay, so me being like the bookworm that I am, I, I, I'm very close to the Barnes and Nobles in my area. And so whenever I want a magazine, I always call in or whatever. And I was like, I'm trying to get Beyonce's British Vogue cover from December, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, do you all have the latest Vogue? And she's like, oh, Harry Styles? I'm like, no. But she was like, oh, I'm sorry. Harry Styles has been selling out and everybody's been calling for it. And I just, it just tickled me because everybody, I mean, he has a strong fan base, okay? And he's out here they are the loyal. They on are the loyal. cover of Vogue. He is also the first man to be on the cover of Vogue by himself. So, oh, he made history. I didn't even realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who are not familiar, Harry Styles was in a very popular boy band called One Direction. And has since yes. gone off and had a very successful solo Honestly, music career. His, his new song right now is a bop. I guess I should make it one of my hands. Is that watermelon? Which no, means, uh, golden. Golden. Oh, it's a I'm new one. To listen to it. It's I'm a new to, one. I, his, he, his music has not, as, as a solo artist, has not really been my style. I was much more a fan of Zane's solo music career <laughs> in terms moody. of my taste. Yes. Because <laughs> um, I'm more on the, on the R&B tip. Uh, mm-hmm. personally but good to know I will put that on my list to check out but- golden it's like if you imagine what a beautiful spring day was like in like 
the 70s you know what i mean it's giving you sunshine harry's vibe it's giving you um narcotics of (laughs) your whatever whichever of your choice but but you could tell they were high during some a certain part because you know they were just riffing you know they were just it, it was very glorious i loved it you know me i have a i'm i'm, I'm a little bit open on my music taste <laughs> yeah yeah you are you're more open than me i mean i've listened to some of his music but again he has not been my particular flavor but i'm gonna listen to it though so back to this coupling before we move on yes she defended this- him, by the way, for wearing his dress on the cover of Vogue. Oh, I, she, I, she loved it. She lived for it. Again, they're going to share clothes. But Laura, is this, re- is this for real, though? Are they going to be some long-lasting couple? So I will say this. It's a little bit convenient that they are getting photographed all the time now since the announcement has been made. I just think it's just something to talk about right now. I don't know if Harry Styles is waiting to, is ready to settle down but i do think he likes older women so let them have their fun she ain't having yeah. no more babies right now be on your leonardo dicaprio for a little bit i'm not mad at you whatsoever olivia wilde has always been a stunningly beautiful woman to girl me. again stunningly i didn't get the jason sudeikis thing i mean i think he's not ugly don't get me wrong i'm not saying that no and the beer helps because beers save lives save lives okay <laughs> like our like the gentleman we're gonna be talking about later today uh later in this conversation reggae <laughs> so let's let's wrap up our hot topics and move into our next segment which is micro dose mm. delora let's talk about the bachelor baby we have oh, our do we first have black bachelor in mr matt James. Mm. So this has been this has been a long time coming in terms of Bachelor Nation. This a man very long time coming is the first black lead for the Bachelor in 23 seasons. This is the 24th season of the Bachelor. Not the Bachelorette, because we had Rachel Lindsay, who was the first black lead ever. The best. The best the 21st season of the Bachelorette back in 2017. But again, Matt is the first black male lead. And so, she's still with her husband, which is she very, is. very sweet. She is. Uh, Matt is 28, and he has started, in, in Bachelor words, his journey to find love. As of this past Monday, uh, airing at 8 p.m. on ABC, Justin Sylvester, one of our favorites <sighs> from E!, mentioned Dave. that a record number of women applied for a shot at love with Matt. 6,500 to be exact. Yeah. I bet. Matt, girl, Matt was originally supposed to be on this last season of The Bachelorette with Claire Crawley, which I don't know if you watched, but I did. It was quite the shakeup because yes. Claire found love very early and left very the show quickly. after four episodes and was replaced by Tasha Adams. Um, uh, very another controversial. Side note, very. Another side note about Matt is that he is BFS with Bachelor, Bachelorette former contestant Tyler Cameron. Who's extremely popular in the Bachelor Nation. Yes, and on Hannah Brown's season. And they have, like, this bromance that TikTok has made. uh, They do a lot together. They have a charity charity organization (laughs) together that helps the youth in New York City. Another history-making moment from just this first episode is that 
Matt gives his first rose to the first deaf contestant mm-hmm. in Bachelor history, Abigail. Abigail. So those are just a quick, a quick few notes about this. Delora, please give me your first impressions of The Bachelor and Mr. Matt James. Oh, Ashley, that's such a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I just was not impressed. And then the fact that he gave a whole speech to Chris on reasons why he doesn't want to pick a black girl that mm-hmm. just rubbed me the wrong way you didn't mm-hmm. have to have this conversation but i don't know race must be an interesting thing for him being biracial he was raised by a white mother which is a important black father to mm-hmm. bring up because i don't feel like he has a close relationship with his father so that means there may be some level of rejection if I am keeping it 1,000. Okay. Rejection to the culture because he doesn't seem like he hangs out with anybody Black. <laughs> I do not follow him on social, but again, based on my research, that sounds valid to me. So Ashley, I guess I'm going to sum up my impressions of him by saying i don't know if this is this one is for the culture and it's a quota for abc but it's not one for you and me for black america black america and while i agree with you that you could take it as him justifying why he may not inevitably end up with a black woman at the end of his season i still felt that it was a legitimate conversation to have because of his background, because I, mm-hmm. coming into the show, was not yes. aware that he was biracial. You know, yes. I, that's always interesting to know and hear about people's stories. So when I heard him say, you know, it kept me up at night, not wanting to disappoint black people, not wanting to disappoint white people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he could possibly disappoint white people. So, no. okay, okay, Matt. But he was, he was keeping it equal, I guess. Yeah, yes. yes. But Again, for the sake of the show and finding out about him for that first episode, I thought it was valid to understand his background. He clearly mm-hmm. is not Obama. No. And no. that no. is important Which is to know because as we know, Obama was raised by a white mother and yes. white family members, but still is Barack Obama. So, But, he, but there's a level, because I'm also reading his book, <laughs> Promised Land, um, it's the embra- he embraces the African-American culture. He understands himself in that space. I, I don't know. I, I'm not seeing it from Matt. And, that, and that's where, you know, I don't know if this is some defense mechanism from being disappointed, but I think it's going to be disappointing. <laughs> I think I am fully prepared. Not not for him to be happy, but just he's going to pick somebody named Sarah G. Like, I just, I feel it. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand where you're coming from. I think a lot of Black women are going to possibly have a lot of emotional weight in what he does. I'm glad that he recognizes that. And at the same time, I, I don't, 
I don't put that weight on his decision whatsoever because it's The Bachelor. I think if yes, this were that's true. a franchise that I invested more heavily in, because to be honest with you, this is only the third season of The Bachelor that I'm watching. I watched Peter's season. I just watched mm-hmm. the Claire Tasha season, and now I'm watching this season. And I'm only doing it because of work. I haven't told, I haven't mentioned on the podcast about working television, so some of this stuff I have to, <laughs> I have to keep up with for the sake of my job. A dream but, job, Ashley. But, a dream job. Thank you. But I. <laughs> You know, I'm not that invested, but I will say all of what you're saying is absolutely valid. And let's get into these ladies as a part mm. of this conversation. So what did you think about Ooh. his bachelor? I, I like ladies? to have a quick caveat. I really okay. love Rachel Lindsay, who's the first black bachelorette. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually has the same sentiments. And 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 she herself married, um, I believe he's a Dominican man or he's from um he he's a he's a latino man mm-hmm. and um she brian. said this is a, Isn't brian, it brian yes yeah. and she said that honestly the first time she ever dated outside of her race is when she was on the bachelor mm-hmm. uh she was on the bachelor and then again during her on time the as the bachelorette um but she mentioned that you know although they chose a guy who probably isn't used to dating black girls <laughs> that it's also the show's fault in their casting. Like they, they don't, they don't really necessarily choose. They're, they're, they're not used to choosing black, normal black people. <laughs> and I say normal black people, I mean like, you know, just fully aware of our culture, fully. Someone you know, who has lived what we consider to be a, an authentic black experience. Yes. Yeah, and to a certain extent, not saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Matt is a black man. He is yes. a he's not a he's not a super fair skinned black man. He's a black no, man. And honestly, that's that's another reason why you wouldn't necessarily. That's where colorism comes into play too. Like like you would not have guessed that he was biracial based solely of his skin tone. Mm-hmm. But as we know, living in our country, um, there there's just certain ways people treat you based off the color of your skin. Absolutely, and maybe this journey that he's on to find love will also be a journey to a certain extent for himself in certain ways that he may not yet be aware of. That's true. Because to your point, there may, and he's 28 years old. There yes. may be things and he's that never he been has, in love. Yeah. There may be things that he has not yet necessarily examined for himself um, that may come to light through this experience and whatever that may look like for him. I wish him the best, but my my question just a few minutes ago, I want to get back to about what you thought about this crop of females I don't want to call them females. It sounds horrible. This crop of women, of gorgeous women, because they were gorgeous, that showed up to vie for the love of Matt. And to be honest, some of them, they all kind of look alike after. (laughs) After you watch it a little bit, it's like, okay. I'm not going to be remembered any of their names. Girl, <laughs> after girl. a while my favorite though was the one young lady who said that she was biracial also she was mixed with like black and was it filipino or i think i think i know who you're talking about who also said she her she was similar to him and like only being raised really by her mother and mm-hmm. i know mm-hmm. who you're talking about also, i love the, the young lady from ethiopia she was one of my mm. favorites i'm like ma'am you came all the way from ethiopia right right or uh the black girl with the with the short hair who's the model the way yes. she shredded up i love that the red black carpet. chick from north carolina who brought the pickup truck loved yeah. her as well yeah, also was- love the girl with the felicity hair from ohio the hairstylist 
loves her. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, you, you. That was one of the things where I'm like, ooh, love the hair. Yes, hair, please. Yes, mm-hmm. girl. Yes, she, she's super cute. Couldn't and, stand and Queen Victoria. Girl, Couldn't why is she there? And then, and then. Entertainment. Value. And then the adult toy girl. Like, what are you doing, ma'am? The joke was dead after the initial shock value of it all she played it out if she would have came and tapped on my shoulder with a potentially used dildo girl uh, vibrator we would have had some some words would have the girl that she tapped on her shoulder was cute um mm-hmm. i don't remember her name we we don't remember no one <laughs> no it's too soon for non-bachelor fans who are listening there were 32 women at the beginning of this episode how he made that decision but honestly i was telling david this i was like this is the easier part it gets harder when you're down to five you know what i mean And you get so emotional the ballerina though that hurt me because i thought she would have made the cut originally that hurt my feelings um but otherwise the first episode i remember my thoughts being to your point I don't particularly like Matt as far as like attractiveness. I mean, no. he has a nice little body, but but he seems he, awkward. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> he he wouldn't be. He's not someone I would necessarily go for. So the way those that. girls were finding over him, I'm just yeah. like, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, the, the prayer the prayer moment was endearing. I, First that of all, absolutely was endearing. The way I laughed out loud, Ashley, girl. <laughs> I was like, you did not go on this show that you are going to be tonguing down at least 95% of these women and you want to start off with a prayer? He absolutely did. But I found it to be endearing because again, in my my three seasons of Bachelor Nation history, um, it was just a little different. I was like, okay, Matt, I guess you really, you're on taste, you're on the same page taste was on. She said, you Christian or bust. If you're not a Christian, I can't deal with you. Wait, the way she dropped that last dude, she's like, our religious uh, belief in the line. I was yeah. like, whoo, yes, girl, I'm here for it, though. Taisha's not playing. We're about to raise kids. You gotta be on the same page on certain things. My last thoughts about The Bachelor. When I saw the group of women, I said, being a guy beauty is women are beautiful beauty Mm -hmm. is not the baseline criteria because you have to actually get to know you and all of them were beautiful right like it would be so hard kind of like the show we're going to recap in a minute exactly it would be so (laughs) hard to choose based off of things like that so he has his picks he has his pickings for sure loved abigail loved that story loved that representation yes. of of that for her and i will stick with it for a while to see what happens because as they show in the previews and you know chris harrison is one of my favorite hosts <laughs> in he terms of the, the drama he loves the messiness we're gonna see matt breaking down and we're gonna see some cat fights and we're gonna see all sorts of madness potentially in this season so i'm here for it for a actually little bit. i have a question for you do you yeah. feel like someone who has never been in love do you think the bachelor is the best show to go on Um, no, because (laughs) you are expected to get engaged after this endeavor. And Mm -hmm. how can you possibly be ready to get engaged and marry somebody when you don't even feel like you've ever truly been in love? Mm. So no, but the concept of The Bachelor in and of itself is, in my opinion, 
you took the word out my mouth. Sorry. Absurd. No, you're yes. fine. It's absurd. So I cannot vouch for anybody who goes on there in terms of the success of their unions. But okay, Matt, if you want to go down this journey, I will stick with you for a little while, if only for the sake of my job. And he <laughs> Are you going to stick with it? He felt the responsibility of being the first Black he Bachelor. Did. So. And I saw that he spoke out on what happened yesterday. So he is taking this platform. Did he? Because he, he does not seem like the type of person that would even comment on something like that. I think, Rachel quote, has been, I think Rachel has been a lifeline for him, potentially, in that regard. Because he spoke of talking to her before he signed She's up. She's brilliant. That's why I loved her so much. Rachel is definitely a good person to be leaning on so uh, that's promising good yeah. good job matt <laughs> that's that's what i'm assuming based on things i've read so if you're listening matt if you're listening rachel keep that friendship on lock delora that is the end of our first two segments i'm gonna hand it over to you for our recap this week's recap is bridgerton Yo. netflix original series shondaland's first scripted series doing big things <sighs> rated ma there are eight episodes, approximately an hour per episode. Here's the summary. During the Regency era in England, eight close-knit siblings of the powerful Bridgerton family attempt to find love. And then the, another summary says, wealth, lust, and betrayal set <laughs> in the backdrop of Regency era England seen through the eyes of the powerful Bridgerton family. Alrighty, so we're going to talk about this wonderful cast. Uh, so in the IMDB, they essentially went in alphabetical order. So first up, Jonathan Bailey as Anthony Bridgerton, Ruby Booker as Marina Thompson, Harriet Keynes as Philippa Featherington, Betsy Carter as Prudence Featherington, Nicola Colon as Penelope Featherington, Phoebe uh, Dinevore as uh, Daphne Bridgerton, Ruth uh, Jamel as Lady Violet Bridgerton, Claudia Jesse as Eloise Bridgerton, Ben Miller, Lord Featherington, Luke Newton as Colin Bridgerton, Reggae Jean Page as Simon Bassett, also known as Duke of Hastings, Luke Thomas as Benedict Bridgerton, uh, Polly Walker as Portia Featherington, Julie Andrews, Lady Whistledown, Ajoa Adoa as Lady Dumbry. My girl. Girl. Everything. Also, the queen has arrived. Golda Rossivol as Queen Charlotte. Martins Imhombi as Will um, Modrich. And Catherine uh, Drysdale as Genevieve Delacroix. And the creator, writer, director, producer, Chris Von Dusen. Ashley Bridgerton, mm -hmm. according to Rotten Tomatoes, 92% on 
Oh, wow. Critics. Oh, wow. For audience, they're at 87%. For Google users, 96%. What's your grade, Ashley? We're just going to go ahead and get to it. What's your grade? Okay. I've spent time, as usual, evaluating my general criteria. And while I found Bridgerton to be lovely, lustful, fantastical, (laughs) beautiful backdrop, scenery, music, all the things, it gets a B. And my B still means that I recommend this show to all of our dear, wonderful listeners out there. As I've mentioned many a time, I reserve my A students for those who move my soul in some way. Love Bridgerton, fantastical escapism, gets a B. What about okay. you? Did you well, love that passion I put into it, by the way? Could you hear it in my voice? <laughs> thank you so much, Ashley. I greatly appreciate that. <laughs> well, you can see my face too. Our, I can. <laughs> our listeners can. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I put a little oomph into it every now and again, guys. Yes. Bridgerton for me gets a freaking A plus. Okay. Yeah, we know. We know. This. Oh my <laughs> we know. gosh. I have been singing to the mountaintops on how much I love this freaking show. Okay, Ashley. This is all before spoiler alert, okay? So the way I love Bridgerton is okay. I'm upset. <laughs> I am upset that I binged it as fast as I did because Bridgerton for me was so decadent. It was mm-hmm. so luxurious mm-hmm. that I, I, I mean, when it was over, I was like, I have to watch it again because <laughs> I consumed it too fast. It was too, because it was so rich for me, you know, yeah. the, the level of excitement that I have for the show actually resembles the type of excitement I used to have for Scandal. Like I, Mm. the early seasons of Scandal, I mean, fast talking, funny, quick witted, um, sexy. Like I loved it so much that I had to rewatch it. Like I, I remember rewatching episodes of Scandal so I wouldn't forget anything so I could be ready for the next week. Like that is how much this show, um, you know, that's how much I loved it. I loved it. I, 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 yes, I've watched it multiple times now because I just, like I said, I just took it in so much, so fast. Um, the ways um, that the show has been described that I absolutely love um, is lavish, is uh, vibrant, big, bold, steamy, fun, funny, and emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, Reggae describes it as a funnier, faster, wittier, and unashamedly sexier to uh, its predecessor in the drama. Uh, and, and Ashley. Yeah. Enola Holmes walked for Bridgerton to run. Okay. okay. Because you okay. know I love a period piece, right? Yes. Yes. Is this right mm-hmm. here obviously is taking that genre and flipping it upside down, right? But the reason why I love period pieces, especially romantic ones, it's the it's the restraint. It's yes. the 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 glances from across the room. It's the you know, 
like will they won't they you know like and then the kiss is typically the pinnacle of it all yeah <laughs> to, quote, to quote simon bastard okay once we get into the recap i have feelings about what you're saying and i don't <laughs> want to spoil anything so but i feel you so wholeheartedly yeah. We know you love Bridgerton, so is it, is it fair to say, before you get into your, our spoiler alert, that this is your favorite show that we have yet to recap? Is that fair? Ooh, that's really difficult, because I have given multiple A-plus, okay, ratings. So, as of right now, probably, probably. Okay. Y'all hear that, listeners? If you have not yet watched Bridgerton, this is the Laura's favorite <laughs> And she has loved many a show. I do. And the last thing I want to say before we get into our spoiler alert, Netflix projected that 63 million households in 28 days have watched this show. It is Netflix. It ranks number five in their top 10, you know, top five releases of all time. Beating out our previous... Queen's Queen's Gambit. Gambit. Yes. So I'm not the only one that's obsessed. Also, this (laughs) is based off of well-known novels by Julia Quinn. And um, the first, the season one is based off of the book, The Duke and I. So spoiler alert. The other reason why I love this show, this isn't a spoiler alert, but colorblind casting um one of the reasons why i love uh reggae he's just not he's not just a pretty face uh he said this and this is swim worthy on its own it's perfectly possible to spotlight black joy over black suffering setting the story in the past doesn't mean that black folks do nothing but suffer we've always lived and laughed and loved and married and danced and lived the truest expressions of our lives through societal restrictions just the same way as everyone else Mm -hmm. so he also he's also quoted some other time um because you know i've been reading up on him quite a bit i told i told david at one point i'm in this youtube rabbit hole or article rabbit hole and if it wasn't for me having this podcast, um, I would look like an insane person. So <laughs> I'm glad that this podcast has justified my obsession when it comes to like re-reading on actors and things like that. I um, One of the videos you sent me that was him and Phoebe being interviewed, he also mentioned the whole idea of I can be a human and I can be Black. Yes. That idea that yes. our humanity is not equal to those of white people is something that needs to really be deconstructed on a very deep level as we've seen but i love that that's something that he really projects and is putting out there on his run of media for this yeah it's talking about we have always been rich and regal and all these things and just to build off of what you already said his quote was and can i also say he seems like he could be trevor noah's cousin to me now that i've seen him doing interviews i don't know why i don't know yes. if it's the african connection but i mean he's Zimbabwean and british so they're that's both what I'm racial saying. yes it seems like you know trevor check that genealogy because i just feel like this is your long lost cousin i mean yeah yeah 
<laughs> and oh, they and give me just, such a similar vibe too when do. I hear them. Like speak. they seem very well read. Yeah. Very. Yeah, because Trevor Noah is brilliant, by the way. Like, yes. He knows a lot of languages, and yeah. Uh, and we'll so, be hosting the Grammys once they finally air. So. <laughs> <laughs> the last quote I want to leave you with before we get into episode one. Again, this is me talking about the colorblind uh, casting and. Um, you know, me being a person who loves period dramas and romance um, stories, like, you know, Pride and Prejudice and all those things, you never see yourself. So like he, he says here in Esquire, I think it's immensely important for people to be able to see themselves at their highest elevation, Paige says, to see that you are worthy of love, romance, mm. glamour, and status everyone is worthy of all of those things and it is our job in the creative industries to create an environment that reflects it everyone is worthy of finding love and enjoying escapist fantasies of a life of dancing romance and ambition preach i I just got preach preach so anybody who has any issues with seeing black people waltzing around in high society and drinking tea and eating crumpets, just take a couple of seats. Let, let us, let us several. enjoy just the fantasy of it all. Again, as a person who loved this genre for so many years, to see yourselves in Lady Danbury. In mm-hmm. the queen. queen. The Queen Charlotte. This this was truly a joy. All right. Episode one, Diamond of the First Water. Daphne debuts of London's marriage market as a new gossip sheet sets high societal high society a Twitter and Simon, the Elderberg Duke of Hastings, returns to town. One last common thing. <laughs> When Shonda lands, she has a new um, new moniker when you start the series. The old school ones was a roller coaster. And now it's just beautiful lights going out in circles. And when I saw that, I was like, I'm about to go on a ride. Chill <laughs> on a ride. So we're in 1813 Regency, London. Um, first thing I noticed bright clean budget they spent money on this thing Mm -hmm. we're in a society where women are used as pawns in society (laughs) so (laughs) we see all the eligible ladies um married-minded misses according to lady whistledown uh are presented to the queen and it is just high anticipation and um everyone's getting ready to go and and the Bridgerton family are all together um, getting ready for Daphne. Eloise famously screams up the stairs like, you must make haste. Um, <laughs> we see the Featheringtons. How very Shakespearean. Yes. Uh, we see the Featheringtons. And they are definitely giving me evil stepsister vibes with their... Cinderella, Cinderella. That's what I had going through my head. <laughs> And um, the Featheritons goes first, and the three daughters barely make it out the door, <laughs> out the door to see the queen. The queen, who is majestic, 
who is completely um, bothered because she doesn't have time for anyone or anything, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the Featherington sisters faint in front of her, which is the ultimate no-no. Then we have Daphne and her mother, Viscountess Bridgerton, presented the music swells the queen is impressed and she tells her flawless my dear this is that girl on the forehead okay that's the queen <laughs> girl ashley what, what what are your thoughts at this point this is such a grand opening right yeah flawless my dear the expectations are high very um my notes so far are i feel like they really set it up early to be kind of this featheringtons versus bridgertons dynamic like that was immediately how i felt like oh we're gonna be pitted against one another to a certain Mm -hmm. extent Mm -hmm. um like families or something yeah like family rivalry i have in my notes the queen is black (laughs) (laughs) because i wasn't ready and i didn't know but i was very excited to see it um, I also have the highest stakes debutante ever to be introduced in front of the queen's gaze. The flawlessness of Daphne when she comes mm-hmm. down there even impressed me mm-hmm. as the audience. I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you were built and bred. The way she walked down, shoulders I mean, back. Yes. She was, she came out of that carriage like Cinderella for sure. Absolutely. You know, not yet really knowing any background of these characters. I was just immediately taken by and knew that she was the star of of the show yes. for the foreseeable future. So mm-hmm. enjoyed um, it. When I saw the actress, even though I I had seen her in Younger, which I love that show, by the way. Me too. Um, I've never seen the actress in like a period piece like this, and so when I saw and her, didn't, I didn't like her in Younger. So oh, thank you for being Daphne. Oh, I actually <laughs> you came hated in her. with some mess. You came in with some mess on Younger. We don't thank need that. you, Ashley. Exactly. Of course. Of course. But when I saw when I saw her, I was like, oh my goodness, this actress looked like she was plucked out of this century. Like she, you could tell, even though they went for a color, not necessarily colorblind, because we get we get to that later. But you know, we live in a world where all types of people are dukes and duchess and of you know, title or whatnot. You can tell with Daphne, they decided to go for a more quote unquote traditional route when it comes to you know the european status of beauty especially at that time so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she was giving me you know 18th century realness for sure uh (laughs) mrs whistledown is introduced by and 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 read by the wonderful julie andrews okay Mm -hmm. i noticed it the second time because remember you told me that i was like oh that was julie andrews and then it was so glaring to me when i watched the show the second time i was like of course that's freaking julie andrews honor uh legend so one of the favorite uh quotes and obviously this is us being introduced to her the quote of of all the bitches dead or alive a scribbling woman is the most canine <laughs> if that should be true then this author would like to show you her teeth 
loved it. I was like, yeah. oh, so Whistledown is coming with the tea. She Name and hot. names and everything. Okay. And, and let's be clear that her column is debuting the same day as the, yes. these daughters, these Featherington daughters and Daphne Bridgerton. So that the sets it up season. as, yeah, yes. who, who is this and what are their motivations for doing this now? So Exactly. That's an excellent question. Why now? But yes, and for um, historical context, social season is definitely a thing. Um, and um, I didn't know about that. So I thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So we are also introduced to Letty Danbury just briefly in her all red. I had, I had in my notes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just have Lady Danbury was my girl. She just struck you immediately. She's so regal. Everything is on point. The way she speaks, the way she carries herself, her wardrobe, everything. I was just, uh, I was impressed. She was immaculate. Amazing. So, so Lady um, Whistledown called Daphne, uh, Daphne, the diamond, the diamond of the first water. And of course, Daphne and her mother are rejoicing. And I love how Eloise brings them back down to earth and say 200 young ladies now have a common adversary yes (laughs) and um one quick thing that i thought was interesting and i guess everyone who loves the books knows this but um lady whistledown is not here for the bridgertons all being named in alphabetical order i thought that was hilarious Lady Featherington is not impressed with Lady Whistledown at all. And uh, she's just like, did the Bridgertons write this themselves? And in this same moment, we are introduced to a quote unquote distant cousin. And it's. Can I go back just real quick? Penelope wanted to sit out the season. Penelope Featherington mentioned she wanted to sit out the season. She did. She did. She wanted to be like Eloise because they are best friends and of the same age. And uh, her mom was like, absolutely not. (laughs) You will be presented. But the mom didn't know that she was going to have an extra young lady on her hands. Mm -hmm. And that is when Marina Thompson is introduced. Change of scene. The Duke has come to town. Um, Simon Bassett, uh, first of all, he made such an appearance on that horse, right? Like with the, I mean, I loved his costumes and the colors, the darkness, but then the vibrancy of those, the dark, rich colors of his costumes. Absolutely loved it. So we we meet Simon and he's um, talking with Lady Danbury and she is the first to acknowledge him with his new title as Duke of Hastings. And this is due to the death of his father. Mm-hmm. I have in my notes on this because of the, these introductions, black folks came on the scene and made some noise. <laughs> like, you have the queen, the Duke, Marina, like every all everybody who came and popped up, it was like, oh shit, I'm in That's very true, <laughs> very, very true. Oh my goodness. And I want to talk really quickly about Anthony. The first time we meet him, he's having a little bit of a rendezvous on a tree. And we find out that uh, it's with the opera singer of of the town. And uh, they have a very intense, um, 
intense relationship that I'll just keep it at that. The physic I have in my notes the physicality of Anthony and his girl sex scenes. Sheesh. <laughs> girl, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and of course, in the interaction between Simon and Lady Danbury, she's putting on a ball the first of this social season. And so um, we are immediately immersed in this um, ball with a beautiful rendition of Thank You, Next, yes. playing in the background. On the violin. I have my notes. I died. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, okay, I, there's gonna be a lot of yeses. I'm just preparing our audience. Just <laughs> it is what it is. Okay. The music as a whole, in totality, was phenomenal. I think it really set the tone for. Even though we're in this era of you know 19th century, it's very it's a modern take, right? And so to have Absolutely. thank you next from Ariana Grande playing on violin, come through. Come through, um, Shonda. Um, John, uh, Sean Mendes, who's Boo. Yes, loved uh, it. Taylor Swift. I mean, they even did Maroon 5, which, you know, huge fan of theirs. I want to give a, uh, take a moment to talk about the composer of this series. Part of the reason why I love this show so much, obviously, um, for the sets and costumes but the music plays a huge role especially when it comes to romance always and i am obsessed with this song called let's form an attachment like that it i'll talk about it more once we get to that scene but i took the time to look up like who's this composer and i'm not gonna lie i expected to see a middle-aged white man what i found ashley ashley mm-hmm was a 30-year-old Black man named Kevin Bowser. Okay, okay Kevin. Okay, Kevin. And I, it actually, it, it, it actually brought me to, to tears because one, I'm a huge, I was a huge band person. I love classical music. Um, and to just see the range of a young man to do something so vibrant and so beautiful, but yet so classic, you know, I just was like, I can't do, I'm sorry. His name is Chris Bowser. So forgive oh, me. Oh, come through I, Chris. I, I, I should have wrote it down. I, I was depending on my, my, my phone, <laughs> but, um, I, I just, I was so blown away and it just, it just warmed my heart. So black folks in front and behind the camera. So let, let go. And nice All of right. you to um, acknowledge it too. You know, we talk a lot when we are doing our recaps on the creators, writers, producers, all of that, but obviously it takes a whole team to make these shows as wonderful as they are. So, and Ashley, they recorded job, separately in quarantine. So all of this came together by, the power of technology, like his expertise, of course, but mm-hmm. you know, that it's phenomenal. Come he through. deserves an Emmy. He already has one, but he deserves another one. Again, done so much at such a young age. Okay. So we're at the Dunbury ball and we see that Chris, uh, that Penelope has eyes for Colin worth noting. And, um, this is where it gets kind of juicy, Ashley, okay? Mm-hmm. The Richertons arrived, and Anthony, it's, it's good to point at this time, their father is no longer with them. He actually died 
at a relatively young age due to a bee sting. So you'll see a bee throughout the story. I think it'll probably mean more in future seasons, but in the book, it's... Um, I didn't even catch how he passed away, so thank you. Um, I got that from um, reading up on the show in the novel. Um, okay, okay. So, from the bee, bee was always sting. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that reminds me of um, what was the movie back in the day with uh, Macaulay My girl. Culkin? Yes. Yes. Damn it. So the man of the house is the firstborn, uh, the Viscount um, Anthony Bridgerton. So he's taken on a bit of a responsibility with Daphne and um, presenting her for these balls. And at first glance, it appears that he's being, you know you know, just looking out for her, his little sister. But over time, it appears that he's a bit of a cock block, Ashley. <laughs> yeah, major. What, what do you think his motivations were? Because to me, it was just kind of unclear. Like, wh- sir, what are you doing? You're scaring off all, all eligible suitors at this point. I think he didn't know what he was doing and he wasn't prepared for the responsibility he was taking on. That's what I think. And that's based on multiple conversations that he ends up having with his mother, especially. Um, He was way too overprotective. I have in my notes, even by the era standards, Um, the judgment and shade with which he was dismissing all of the guys looking at Daphne at that ball. Yeah. And especially because in my opinion, Anthony is a fuck boy. Um, So of all people to try to come and have such high standards, like I wasn't here for it. It'd be different if he had higher standards for himself. And that's another factor in my opinion is he was very immature in his own dealings. I'm just, I'm just saying he was very immature in his own dealings with love and relationships. So I'm not surprised, but I needed him to step up out of Daphne's way real quick. Oh my goodness. Thank you for that, Ashley. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so Daphne manages, manages to step away from her brother to get something to drink because she's obviously overwhelmed by just, she hadn't got a chance to dance at all because again, her brother is just knocking them all down and she bumped into Lord um, Burbrook. Gross. First of all, I actually put that down. I was like, he is creepy AF. Yeah, I have bros. (laughs) (laughs) And her brother had the nerve to say that he's a decent choice. He was a vulture of a human being. Wait, when he said that I've always had an eye for you, she's like, when I was five? Like, and so in efforts for her to, you know, get out of that awkward situation, she was very, you know, she was very adamant of getting away. So she's, you know, politely walked away. Um, and in that moment, uh, she bumps into the Duke of Hastings. He has all these women swooning around him initially. Literally swarming like bees. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't swat them off. Like they were on him heavy. And so at this point of the evening, you know, she bumps into him. They, they, you know, say the their pleasantries like, oh, I'm sorry. And she tries to strike up a conversation with him because she's trying to get away from Lord uh, Burbuck. And so she asks him his name. And he's just like, sis, what? 
As you if don't you know don't me. Know. As you if don't you don't know already me. know. <laughs> Again, because he's had these other women swooning all around him, he assumes in his arrogance that all these women who are here must know who I am. They're all after me. <laughs> and you find out who he is through daphne's older brother because this is one of his best friends from oxford and so that immediately turns her off and which and brother is that to be specific Dolores? which brother <laughs> anthony <laughs> lord um, jesus and uh she's like if you're best friends with my brother i know the company's the company that he keeps and i don't want none of it exactly i don't want it to quote john snow okay and so she immediately like you know got defensive and like okay well sorry have a for great me, evening. i ain't about you can we talk about that literal dance car women were wearing around their wrists i have yes. notes. wow <laughs> very interesting exactly oh, like they're goodness. keeping track of all the people they're dancing with right it's ridiculous i, I um i was surprised by that as well <laughs> Daphne wants to stay stay longer because at this point she hadn't had the opportunity to dance with 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 no one. Um, but her brother is convinced that she should leave. She should leave them wanting more. After each ball, it's good to know that uh, there's times for callers or the male suitors from the dance to come and spend more time with the ladies, and she's not getting anybody. This was the exaggeration of sitting by the phone waiting on a man to call you. Well said. This was too much for me. I got to sit in the drawing room of my house and wait for men to want to come around and call upon me to have a conversation? Yes. My God. What a time. What a time, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. As Daphne later said, if I'm if I'm not able to find a husband, I'll be worthless. Thank God this era has passed, Delora, or has it? <laughs> Girl, I don't even know. But guess who whose house is full of callers? The Featheringtons with their Marina cousin. is that thing. Marina is that thing. She's a new girl on the block. Everybody wants to know who that chick over there, who that is. <laughs> And the melanin don't hurt, honey. The oh my goodness, don't. curls were popping. Okay, <laughs> curls were constantly popping. And like you mentioned, Daphne had to have a one-on-one with her brother and be like, hey, I need for you to understand I have a duty as well, and you're not allowing me to do what I need to do. And um, still, she was, um, you know, affected by people not wanting to, you know, come by. But guess who was available? Lord Burbrook. Ugh. So much so that he becomes her number one suitor. <laughs> Horrifyingly so. so. Horrifyingly so. In this social season, there's a there's balls and then there's operas. And Lady Um Dunbury and Lady Bridgerton conspire. They have two young people on their hands and they would be an excellent match. I mean, the diamond of first water and the Duke, the now eligible young Duke, match made in heaven. They do a quick scene, which the first time I watched this, I'm like, what? What is happening? Marina is really upset in her bed, Ashley. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah, because it's it's a different era, so you don't realize that 
what she is upset about is she has not had her period because the way they <laughs> find out that they're bleeding is on the sheets on the sheets and so she had already been at the house for over a month and she has not gotten her courses her well, courses as they call it a period <laughs> yes we have the duke and daphne interacting yet again they don't like each other at all like it was sexual point, tension it was sexual <laughs> tension <laughs> i don't think they knew that at that time to be honest i disagree delora and let me say why okay in the first scene when they meet even when they have their little tenuous little exchanges when she's leaving he's looking at her and when she's leaving she looks back oh True. that is that sexual tension right well, there here's the deal. he he's he and i'm not revealing anything just yet he knows that she's not an ugly girl that doesn't mean he wants anything to do with her like that don't, that don't mean it wasn't sexual tension you have to like somebody to want to bang mean, touche <laughs> He's Touché. a rake. He's a rake, as they say many times. First of show. all, it took me forever to really get it. I'm like, so are they calling him a hoe? Like, yeah, I- same. <laughs> I literally wrote, does a rake mean hoe? Yes, it does. It does. It, it does. does. She was like, oh i calling this man a hoe. She's like, listen, you're a hoe. I know how you do. You a hoe. But yes, uh, the Duke is over to dinner because, you know, the Bridgerton's cook is known for their gooseberry pie. Which is his favorite. uh, Which is his favorite. And Anthony told him, uh, told his mother about herself. Like, how dare you try to set my best friend up with my sister? And mama's like, don't come talking to me about duty, son. When you got a chick on the other side of town. What did his you mother you've said this so many times in this scene his mother his mother multiple times in this show reads him for filth as you'd like to say <laughs> yeah. he tried to tell his mother she overstepped in her daughter's love life i said boy who are you talking to i don't give a fuck the if you think you're the head of this household or not you better have a seat son you're still my child have several seats oh anthony oh Mm-mm. Is it Anthony or Anthony? I, I don't. They they said Anthony in the show. They? they said okay. Anthony. I'll just go with Anthony moving forward. Apparently, this conversation got to him because he breaks it off with the opera singer. I promised that girl the world. Apparently, yes. I, he was gonna take care of her, and then just you just go up and decide that's not what we doing. We can't see each other no more. No more. What am I supposed to do? It's, I'm a woman of this era. I'm reliant on a man to a certain extent to live yeah. a certain lifestyle. And, I, and she's not in the high society, so she knows her place, but she also didn't expect to be left high and dry either. So, yeah. Yeah. So, my favorite ball, Ashley, is here. It's the soiree at Vex Hall. Okay. Marina's not there because of her quote-unquote condition, but the Featheringtons are there. Um, with Which you haven't said is obvious, but she's pregnant. <laughs> you didn't get yes. that. If you guys didn't get that from our earlier discussion about her period, They refer pregnant. to it as, as condition, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, catching. Remember? It was catching. Ashley, we, we got to talk about this <laughs> a little bit more later, I promise. Okay. Um. And the reason why I'm being very detailed for this first ep- uh, episode is because this this lays the uh, groundwork to more freer conversations later on, okay? Okay. 
we are introduced to Ms. Uh, Cowper, who is apparently a bitch. She spills her drink on Penelope. <laughs> Again, the mommies are swarming the Duke. Um, first of all, can we talk about how gorgeous this whole episode was, especially at this ball? There was like this gorgeous lighting of like the light bulbs overhead in the middle of the um, dance floor estate. It was uh-huh. gorgeous. Um, Anthony informs Daphne that he has made preparations for her to marry Lord uh, Burbrook. Crazy. And she was like, I will not hear of this. Okay. Mm-hmm. They do go back to Marina at this point, and she is confronted by uh, Mrs. Featherington or Lady Featherington about um, being quote unquote reckless because she obviously is pregnant. And she basically was like, I didn't ask to be here. And then she got a slap across the face there. That's worth noting. Back to the soiree, Lord Burbrook attacks Daphne, and the Duke is there. Because he had to find a quiet space to get away from the mommies. And he runs to help her. But she she comes at Lord Burbrook with the right hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, did, I did love how she saved herself. She didn't need saving. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But of course, in that time, a young lady cannot be by herself. She has to, you know, she has to be mindful of, you know, the company that she keeps and who touches her and everything like that. And she's currently in the garden by herself with two men. So she's just crying about, oh my goodness, I'm ruined. And then Simon had a great idea. He was like, let's pretend to make an attachment. (laughs) You are going to be considered de- desirable by all the suitors because you have my attention and all the mommies are going to leave me alone and this is my favorite part of the whole series the music when they step out for the first time as an item and he's like and the music and the fireworks and the first person they saw though by the way when they came out of the garden Penelope it's just important to know and the fireworks and the dancing scene and everything like that was absolutely it was just luxurious it was just the ultimate fantasy and he was like i need for you to look deep into my eyes and look manly in love i'm like sir i don't think that'll be a problem for most women (laughs) (laughs) the swooning had already begun girl girl and um like like I was asking earlier, you know, what are Antony's motivations for dropping this ball on Daphne, like Lord Burbrook? Like he can see that this man isn't attractive. The fact that he's not unable to see that this man is creepy AF mm-hmm. is beyond me. Like, oh, he has, you know, his backgrounds work. Like, really, sir? He had no idea what he was doing. That's just, again, what it comes down to for me. He was overconfident and underqualified to be the head of his family's household. That's very true. And also, um, the reason why Simon and Daphne make this attachment is because they want to get Lady Whistledown off their backs. She has been talking quite a bit about them. You know, Daphne 
was getting some getting some heat saying for this woman to be it she ain't getting nobody knocking on her door was no this a flaw by the queen and the queen was not having that either no and um you know the dude being literally the best catch <laughs> of the season you know they wanted to they want to get people talking and they wanted to control their narrative yeah. <laughs> and then also simon is a part on his side his his reasoning is he has already declared he doesn't want to get married thank you ashley one of the most important important topics of this particular show all right so we're going to go ahead and go into episode two and then we're going to talk in more general terms because i think this first episode was so pivotal to the foundation of the whole show and we essentially see all the tangled webs that are we woven uh from these families and interesting characters okay so episode two shock and delight simon's apparent courtship of daphne angers her brother Antony and threatens to ruin the arrangements he made. Marina opens up to a curious Penelope. So I will say one of the things I love about this episode was a flashback. And we see uh, Simon's interaction with his father. His father was an overbearing man who took great pride in his uh, title, his his dukedom <laughs> um which a part of that the only part of that that i gave him grace on was the racial aspect of it when he talks about to a certain extent one of the reasons why was because being black people in the society he, it it could so easily be taken away from them and i'm sure we'll get to that later on too when he gives more of a speech but that was the one piece of grace because otherwise his father was a monster <laughs> His father was an absolute monster. The fact that this man was screaming at this woman giving birth, talking about, tell me, when is my Sarah. son going to get Poor here? I, I was like, what? And then we are introduced to how Lady Danbury, Danbury is in Simon's life. She is his mother's best friend. And, and his mother um, dies tragically and his mother dies and one of the things that i think that is interesting and worth noting is that his mother never got a chance to hold him mm-hmm. taken by his father immediately taken by his father immediately um let's talk more about this because we get multiple flashbacks throughout this episode and we we learn really quickly that uh simon has a stutter as a kid yeah and his father views it as incompetence mm -hmm. and he goes as far to say that his own son the one heir that he was working on so hard is dead to him because he's an imbecile Ashley, heartbreaking heartbreaking i just i couldn't even take it and um we get another flashback of him growing older lady danbury catches up to him and i'll say he's somewhere around what five to seven years old and that's fair he he's very ashamed of his condition right to the point where he doesn't want to talk and honestly this is one of my favorite one of my favorite one of the three favorite speeches i have in the whole story when he's he's stuttering and he's like i can't speak and she was like 
son, you can speak. And I'm like, don't you need somebody in your life to speak life into you? Mm-hmm. Her whole spiel in that moment where she talks of helping him through this and talks about her own insecurity she had when she was growing up and how she became the fiercest person in the room and all these things gives you insight into the development of this black woman in the society as well. And Absolutely. I live, I live for the scene again. Lady Danbury is my girl. So girl, and I'm going to go ahead. It deserves to be quoted. She said, I made myself frightening. I sharpened my wit my wardrobe and my eye and I made myself the most terrifying creature in any room I entered and when she told him this she's like you can speak and then she's like you must promise me that when you step into the light you will be worth the attention you command two snaps girl I just was like again you need somebody in your life to just speak life into you and guess what the way they walked into that, into that ball. Yes, such swag. I was just like, we such have arrived. Swag. We have such arrived. Swag. Oh. And you then start to, at least I did, start to see too that Simon had to create a bit of a facade for himself, right? As a way that to arrogance. Himself. Yeah, that yes. arrogance that you assume from episode one when he was dealing with Daphne and some of the women and stuff. It's armor. It's a shield. Mm. Yes, very true. And you see that too, because yeah, there are moments throughout this show where his stutter comes back and you you get that level of vulnerability mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you struck him in the heart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like you have affected him. Oh my goodness. Okay. Can I say this also made me think of Joe Biden? Yeah. Because I know yes. that he had to overcome a stutter. Yes. This made this in my mind right now because politics are so prominent. I immediately thought of Joe Biden and possibly what some of his struggles were when he was growing up. But absolutely, and so the, those were the flashbacks. Um, and, and I'll talk more a couple of more flashbacks later on. But moving um, moving back to present day, um, everybody is loving this match between Simon and Daphne. Um, a lady Dunbury and the Countess are gleeful about this new couple <laughs> um, and I love during this moment they're very Simon and Daphne themselves are just going back and forth on ways they're going to keep up this facade <laughs> they're going back and forth on like how many balls are going to uh, I need for you to buy me expensive flowers for this to look real. And it's the- that it's such it's so that first conversation of any show or movie I've ever seen where there's an arrangement, like even uh, to all the boys I've loved before. Yeah, that first conversation of like, here's our contract. Here's what we will and will not do. <laughs> yes, like put it all on paper so we yeah. know exactly what we're doing. And. Um, one of the things that is also interesting is again back to marina's condition we realize the young women in this period has no idea where babies come from ashley what did you think about that i i guess i you know i love period pieces but i don't think i've ever really noticed this being a topic of conversation (laughs) i think i found it interesting because to your point 
I had never really seen it to this extent either of the not just innocence, but ignorance to not be prepared for the most basic parts of life. And I think that it reminded me of how fortunate I feel to be a woman who is alive in this era, not only because of the rights and privileges that I have, but because of the knowledge I'm able to acquire outside of anything someone needs to tell me. Yes. I should not have to rely on my mom to be the one to tell me how people make babies. Like when Eloise comes in and says, but she's the servant from the Feathering House. Feathering House is not even married. I thought you had to be married. For that to happen. And the fact that they thought it was contagious, girl, that is the thing that I just was like, and the mother didn't say anything like, you know, they kept her separate from the girls. But again, maybe that separation was they didn't want them talking. Right. Like we don't it also want you- showed again such a stark difference between men and women in society at that time. Yes. Because men got to live their lives and do their things and be rakes and and Girl. sold their oats. And women didn't even know how to make a baby, how a baby was made. Come on. That was insane. That was insane. And, uh, but yeah, Penelope and Eloise are very, they, they're confining with one another. Like, oh my goodness, how does this happen? You must find out. I need to know. Um, and so. I Anthony, love their friendship. It's one it of the highlights sweet. of the series for me. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony finds out about this arrangement you know, this courtship between uh, the Duke of Hastings and his sister. And he's just like, what are you doing? He's like, I have acted in your interests, dear sister. And I, my question to him is, have you, sir? Not Have you? Not remotely. And the mom is completely sold on the Duke. She was like, who needs a more um, Burbrook when you got a Duke? And so the mom was like, you know what? It's good. We're fine. Um, and we also in this episode get the chance to see um simon's relationship with the boxer will yeah um i really appreciate their uh their friendship and camaraderie i always i felt like will was always willing to tell the duke about himself what what did you and he's also very big on black twitter by the way oh is he okay (laughs) everybody wants to know what what is his name here for the friendship i appreciated it i respected it i respected the dynamic i respected the fact that even though the duke even though simon is in this position you could still see that he had not lost touch with his roots probably and being a more normal person and again it just gives me extra insight into who he really is right because again that's very true we're seeing layers of him so to see a friendship outside of whatever his little friendship was with anthony because that that felt more like you know it wasn't as real, it wasn't as solid as his friendship with Wheel by comparison. It seemed mm-hmm. like him and Wheel probably had a deeper understanding of one another than he and Anthony did, which it seemed like him and Anthony may, Anthony may have been party pals, may have gone out and slayed some women. Exactly. Exactly. You ain't, you ain't my bestie. But but with, with heirs, right? Like everyone knowing their position in society yeah. and everything like Rolling that. Rolling around. You know, Simon had a little strut. Had a little neck roll, you know. That he did. Oh my <laughs> God, I noticed that too. Um, and in this uh, boxing scene, An- Anthony confronts the Duke about messing up his plans. 
um, face to face. And um, he's like, I already had her promised. And so the Duke is like, well, you know what? My intentions with your sister is honorable. And um, we are now with Penelope and Morena. And Penelope is just frankly asking Marina, I'm sorry, how are babies made? And I loved her answer. She was like, with cake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that made me, that made me laugh so much. It's like, how did it happen? Cake. Um, Apparently her lover is off to war, but again, she wasn't married. The war of 1812. I had to look that up. Yes. And, um, you know, she basically is just completely in love with him. And she told Penelope that they were in love, but she did not give any details with that's worth noting. Um, it, we also have uh, shots of the queen. Uh, she is in everybody's business and she wants to know about proposals. And I want to take this moment to talk about, um, to give some context about Queen Charlotte in real life. So she was married to King George III. This is the same King George from the beloved musical Hamilton. He is also the same King George that went mad. So I thought it was very interesting every time we see the queen and someone tells her about her husband, she's always asking, is he dead yet? And I'm just like, what is going on here? (laughs) And so to see that, oh, this was the mad King George. And she was just like, when, are, when is this going to be over? He, he, did, he did go mad. Um, they're not exactly sure. The, the, they have a disease in mind, but they also mentioned that the arsenic that was in makeup and medicine at the time could have led to his madness. And got um, I got the impression that it was like Alzheimer's or dementia, based yes. on how they portrayed it in the show. The show kind of leaned it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but she lived to be 74 years old, and she had 15 children. Jesus. 13 of them lived to be adults. And this is real-life context. And then lastly, or two things. There has been evidence to support that she really did have African heritage, um, and that in some portraits... Um, they cover up any color that she may have and essentially whitewashed her. Whereas there are other um, paintings that actually showed her with her quote unquote African features with full lips and a wide nose. And the last thing I was going to mention is that she actually is German and she didn't speak a lick of English until she got married. And they, they married based off of arrangement. They had never met her and mm. King George. But apparently it was a good match because they had 15 children. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, Crossing my legs on that. Girl, girl. So because there aren't as many proposals going on as much as she want, wanted to be, um, she invited Lady Bridgerton for tea. And this was one of my favorite moments of the sh- a show. It gave me, I love the cleverness of it. So basically... First of all, why was the queen snorting coke? Girl, I had that. I said, um, did the queen really just snort drugs? Okay. Like in front of guests. Yeah. And asked and for wanted, more. And, ask, and asked for more. 
Uh, and then they also talk, oh, I'm sorry, one last thing I'm going to say. She was a patronage of the arts. She handpicked Bach and Mozart. So that was something that really oh, wow. happened in real life. Yeah. And I, I say I related so heavy on her. I don't know if I can't remember exactly when, when she talks about she just wants to be entertained. I'm like, yes, I live <laughs> to be entertained. Queen Charlotte is me. <laughs> I am, yes! I'm here for it. Yes. That isn't entertain. Get that out of here. That doesn't entertain me. <laughs> I'm with you. The chick had heels on though, upside down. That could have poked out an eye. And she was not entertained with that. She that was, was not. But she probably came to the, you know, she probably came once a week. You know, I'm ready for something new. <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> so um, in a very clever way, the queen essentially told Lady Bridgerton that you need to get the I understand that your daughter is attached to Lord Burbrook, but the Duke is a better match. And there are ways around this, uh, this agreement. And um, essentially she, she, she was saying, use the help. And so in a very subtle way, it was so clever. It was so So clever. clever. And I loved it so much. Luckily, Lady Bridgerton was not completely naive, and she invited Laura Burbrook's mom for tea with her <laughs> and Daphne. Explained it all. Explained it all. And during this time, the the help started talking, and they got the tea that they needed. And they found out that Laura Burbrook was shady, like we all thought he was. Mm-hmm. He Did had, you mention that Simon had to beat his ass? Um, oh, excellent point, Ashley. Thank you for that. He um, was persistent. Yes, because he was, he was extremely persistent. He was upset that he didn't like Daphne and the Duke um, hanging out. And he was willing to concede uh, because during one of the balls uh simon told antony what happened in the garden Mm -hmm. and um antony said any agreement we had is now out the window and so during a midnight stroll lord burbrook followed simon and he questioned daphne's honor and the duke didn't like it but it wasn't until he started talking about his daddy oh yeah when he got his behind beat tried it and again, Simon boxes. So you're you're barking up the wrong tree. Can I can I quote real quick when he said, "When I'm buying a horse, I do not negotiate with the horse." He was a horrible person. He I, saw I Daphne. He saw Daphne as property. He did solely as property. He compared her to a horse. And I and and again, I put in my um, in my notes and read. It's like, but when you start talking about his daddy, he was like, "What you're not gonna do?" Exactly. What you're not going to do is talk about this man. You can get it. And he obviously Beat got it. His ass. And um, again, he was speaking of his persistence during one of the promenade moments. He doubled down on talking about he's going to marry Daphne. And that's when the Bridgertons felt like they were in a corner. And mm-hmm. then there was the queen with the tea with the queen. And then there was the dirt that was gathered from the tea with Lady. Burbrook and, and what was what was that dirt Delora? He got a servant pregnant and sent her away. Had a whole baby, whole baby, and didn't even want to see her. Sent her away, and the news got um, through the help circuit. 
<laughs> and it got to Lady Whistledown, and she published that mess, and he had to be sent away, or he went away for business. Mm-hmm. And so Daphne was now free, finally, uh, from that awful, awful arrangement by her brother. Um, the last thing I want to mention is the dance with Simon and Daphne. This is this is after Laura Brobrook was no longer um, in her sights. She told Simon that my life is on the line. This is not some ruse for some publication. This is now you and me. This is now my life, and I need for you to help me to to make sure my, I'm living my best life, essentially. And um, in this moment, he there was a breakthrough. Ashley, he said. Well, sure, I'll help you. And he's like, call me by my name. Call me Simon. Things are heating up. I melted. Sexual tension is a building. Oh, and, <laughs> and in this dance, Ashley, um, when they were done, Simon, uh, Daphne goes on to dance with another suitor and he goes to stand next to Lady um Danbury and she's like is something the matter and he stutters for the first time and he's like no and I was like oh my goodness Daphne's getting to him and I say this because we are then flashback one last time between an adult Simon and his father who is on his yes. deathbed yes. and this this mofo had the nerve to say my son you are now going to continue on the Hastings line and in my mind I was like my son you had nothing to do with his development at all you provided sperm that was it he told people his son was dead he was a monster and during his father's last breath Simon vowed that he would never marry he would never sire an heir, and the Hastings line will die with him. Mm, explained a lot. Explain why he vowed never to get married. Mm-hmm. Explain, like, essentially him being a loner, you know what I mean? Yes, because his father dying is the only reason he came, he's back in town at the moment. Very was to true. settle those affairs of the Hastings house. And it's something worth mentioning that during this time, your word was your bond more so than anything ever before. And so when you made a vow in those times, you made a vow. So for him, he was resolute in what he told his father and there was no breaking it, including some cute little girl from a family that he knows around, around the block. He just, he went off. He's like, are my words clear enough? um speak up you effing monster speak it was giving me real villain vibes during that time too like the whole scene (laughs) i just saw it i just saw it as the inevitability of his father's actions you can't treat a child like that you can't treat a person like that and i don't even think simon was hugged with any real love and compassion in his life like if you really think about it like his own mama didn't get a chance to hug and kiss him before she died besides possibly whatever he was able to get from living and being with lady danbury i mean she became his surrogate mother 
Mm-hmm. Um, and but his it's, only living it's different, parent, though, right? It is. Like, his only living parent, his only living parent, absolutely rejected him, and talked, spoke to him so horribly as a child. And the things that happen to you as a child impact the entirety of your life. That's what therapy is for. And unfortunately, there were no therapists, it doesn't look like, back in 1813. So, Simon, I understand why you felt the need to make that vow and why you felt the need to say what you said. I wasn't mad. I did not blame him. And his father, um, I hope, died thinking that that was was absolutely true. Well, (laughs) if you also think about it, it's so dangerous because he is also, he is willing to put vengeance over finding any type of love in this life. That is very true, Delora. And we'll speak on that for sure. I'm sure a little bit later, but at, at this point in time, I cannot blame Simon. I can only see what has happened thus far. Do I want Simon to find happiness? Yes, but everybody doesn't find happiness in marriage and children. So no, that's very true. That's very maybe true. That was that's not going to be very, very basic Simon's way path. about things. Yeah. Yeah, because those things also take a lot of work. <laughs> I don't know how the um, uh, Bridgertons were able to have eight eight kids that's in a loving family. That's a miracle. All right, Ashley, episode three, The Art of the Swoon. After <laughs> Daphne catches the eye of a royal suitor, she turns to Simon for relationship advice. Lady Featherington tries to browbeat uh, brow Morena into marriage. So at this point in the story, Daphne and Simon's ruse is working splendidly because she has rejected three proposals. Get it, girl. Time. In one week. In one week. But things are happening between her and him. Um, she's having dreams about the Duke, Ashley. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I would be dreaming about him too if I was in her. <laughs> she was watching that. She was watching that spoon licking real hard for somebody who don't know nothing about no birds and no bees. No nothing, and she was she's, like, "I she's getting them feelings." I volunteer. I volunteer to be the spoon. Me. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. That was definitely my motivation for sure, Ashley. Oh my God. I love Hunger it. Games, guys. We are representing Hunger Games almost every episode. <laughs> and in the midst of all the things going on, a prince is coming to town from Prussia. Uh, we also see that Penelope is essentially. Um, marina what is her name marina Marina. Marina. during this time we find that penelope has been marina's number one supporter and she is intercepting the mail for a coveted letter from her love off at war what do you think about the relationship at this point ashley with marina and penelope Mm -hmm. i saw i saw a love triangle forming because Mm -hmm. you start you saw that the Bridgerton that Penelope was interested in, singly was interested, yes, mm-hmm. in Marina. So I was like, oh, y'all are going to end up getting into it over a man. It's building. It's building. I actually, the first time I saw this, I did not, I, it's not that I didn't catch it, but 
I didn't realize he was showing interest to um, Morena in episode one because he was asking about her at the ball. Yeah, when... I have it in my notes from episode one. Yeah. Yes. So, and I do too. Um, but at this point, I was just mainly looking at how I wonder how Penelope is going to try to get Colin. You know what I mean? Um, I think based on what I had seen from Penelope at this point with her wanting to sit out and her friendship with Eloise, I was, I was under the assumption that she wasn't going to go down a traditional route and path. So that mm. was, that was one of the things that gave me pause about the intentions with Colin. Like, I'm like, yeah, you may have a crush on him, but I don't know how serious you are about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, is that just a friend you think is a little cute? I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I wasn't sure yeah. if she was marriage minded is what I'm trying to say. That's a great, that's a great point. That's a great point. Well, um, at this point, Daphne Suiters is the main point of conversation among the Bridgertons, um, among society. And um, we get a chance to see her interacting with more dudes at this, at this new ball. And um, I love the introduction of this ball because guess what song is playing? bad guy again mm-hmm. screamed i was like this is amazing um but i during this time also penelope uh not penelope i'm sorry daphne and simon's banter has gotten super cute at this point i just love their back and forth because there's a level of familiarity between the two of them and comfort right mm-hmm. uh and it's so it's so cute so she you know essentially is referring to him to her general and um he he sent her off uh to dance other suitors and these other suitors are duds ashley like their guy didn't even have a mind of his own she would ask him a question that's a great question clueless (laughs) i literally put clueless and mommy issues are just awkward like it's like oh my goodness how are people supposed to make quote-unquote love matches over awful conversation like this oh was not to be a love match was not to be with any of those guys but then comes in the queen and that wig honey that she showed up with an afro and there was a a fisted pick in i'm convinced it was (laughs) i literally have that fro the queen had come through everything (laughs) everything that row was everything, okay? Um, and on her arm is her nephew, the Prince of Persia, okay? And uh, again, back Prussia. to- it's Prussia. Prussia, thank yeah. you. Of course. And again, uh, Simon and Daphne's manter is too adorable because they're calling play by play what is exactly going on. And mm-hmm. like most of those conversation at those balls, nothing much is being said just the same thing over and over again so um miss um cowper is like laying it on thick on this prince with this fan and um daphne knew exactly what she was doing and then (laughs) simon told told her that he's probably telling her that her dress is exquisite and so lo and behold the queen introduced um, the prince to um, Miss Bridgerton, and he said the exact same thing. And I thought that was so funny. And she laughs and snorts, which I thought was adorable because I myself am a snorter. 
So <laughs> it's me too, I can too. But especially because yeah. Daphne in every other way is so refined. Yes, that's very true. But she was letting her guard down because yeah. the relationship uh-huh. between her and Simon have become so familiar, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the queen, her face, she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And the prince is like, oh, no worries. And the queen is like, yes, you should apologize. And we need to go. Like, she just presented the diamond of the season. And here she is snorting all over the place. Hilarious. Very. So we get a glimpse of the working ladies of the town or the town and um it's the opera singer and the seamstress or the modiste and ashley i have to say it took me watching this show three times to get that the modiste was speaking uh english in this interaction with a girlfriend and that french accent disappeared into thin air Mm, I didn't even catch that. I, did I didn't even either. Catch that. Again, it, the third time was the charm for me. Okay. Because again, first watch, binge, second watch, trying to gather all the things that I missed from the first viewing. And then the third was for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> in my notes. What I had written down from this interaction with Sienna and Genevieve was like, is it because they decided to take on trades that they weren't considered real ladies? Or was it already the station? that they were born into that supposedly okay made them not real ladies i was just curious because you know we have the whole eloise penelope dynamic yes. of trying to be outside of society so i just wasn't yes. i could i couldn't gauge it oh i definitely gathered that they that was the stock that they came from because i think if daphne knew how to you know be a seamstress her mom would not have I have honed that craft because she was honing her to be a wife. You know what right. I mean? Which is crazy too when you think about it because the level of talent that they both had in their respective fields. Like Sienna yes. really could sing. Absolutely. Genevieve can whip together a dress, honey. In like, no time. And they are they are not legit in society. That's just, it, it's mind-blowing, right? Based to on sneak to be with yeah. them. Like the, the idea, especially now, of the devaluing of women based on these... Um, these experiences or these um, talents that they have because of the era was glaring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the, the working ladies are essentially trying to figure out what they need to do, especially the opera singer, because she don't have her sugar daddy anymore. And so they knew exactly where to go. And they went to the gentleman's club where they flirted with the guys and guess who was there? Simon, and Antony. And I really felt uncomfortable how Antony was so possessive of the opera singer. Like he would, it was the way he was like staring her down from across the room. I'm just like, sir, you're the one that broke it off with her. You probably shouldn't have started it because you knew she wasn't married material, but that's asking too much, you know? I don't know. Yet again, why I call Antony a fuckboy. Because, <laughs> of course, you want her so much and you want to still be in possession of her, even though you broke up broke up with her, broke her heart, potentially um, took away whatever financial resources you had coming her way. And she's just trying to figure out her next move. So now you want to be trying to stare her down. I was not here for Antony this entire series, and especially in these moments. Ooh. I hear you, but guess what? <laughs> she started up a conversation with Simon and invited him to one of her shows and to meet her after one of her performances. So 
that was getting kind of sticky for me just a Mm. little bit just a little bit well she did she know all the dynamics of their friendship and if she did is that her (laughs) is is that on her to to respect that boundary well y'all at that point no listeners y'all be the judge okay exactly exactly Daphne and Anthony have a discussion about Simon and she finally understands a little bit about him and his reasonings for not ever wanting to get married he was a little a loner um and that's something that she, she didn't know um again one of my favorite parts is at the art exhibit at Somerset and um a, a lot of things happen with um for the Featheringtons um marina is back on the market um the idea is to scheme her way and getting married to a really old crusty man Hmm. and um providing him an heir or you know he'll they'll be less likely affected by her being pregnant so to speak but she's just not having it and i thought it was very interesting how much agency she had for herself um uh it and she didn't she didn't break under the weight of the power and position of the featherington she really stayed her own person and that that's something that i did appreciate about her character when lady featherington i have in my nose a rich white woman trying to take a black girl to the hood to scare her please you're hilarious (laughs) you're hilarious you think this is gonna bother me? I'm not one of your little what she called them little like timid or something daughters. Like yeah. I'm not them. This does this does not bother me. So um, during this art exhibit, also we get a chance to see um, the prince taking an interest on Daphne and Daphne blowing off the prince. I, I was so surprised by that she was like oh well enjoy your rounds bye because she had eyes for simon and at this point as a viewer i'm panicking because i'm just mm. like ma'am why are you chasing this man that's not available you got a prince on hand on deck and you are about to blow him off for someone who is completely unavailable I digress. That's when I knew it was love. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I knew it was love. Because I I put down, I said, perfectly good suitor comes along in the way of a prince, and yet Daphne can't stay away from Simon. That's when you know. It's love. You a fool for this man now. You're a fool for this man. Unhealthy. And one of my favorite parts, we talk about resistance. We, we talk about stolen glances. They ponder over this painting that's in, that's actually part of Simon's collection that he um, allowed the exhibit to borrow and is a piece for, for his mother. And they, they reach for each other's hands, Ashley. So this is the part where they're like, oh, the feelings are mutual. How did you feel at this point as a viewer? Again, the sexual tension was already building for me. So I knew that we were getting to this point. But it's to your point earlier, early on about the subtleness of the the stolen moments. It was like, oh, I feel it. I feel the heat, you know? And at the end of this, Simon also shows that he's gotten more into it because he does not go 
to that opera singer. He goes home. Not at all. And I, I have say, that in my notes. I was like, Ooh. he likes her. He doesn't even go to the opera. He doesn't Tis even mutual. go to the opera. Tis mutual. Oh, Tis mutual. You see I both of it. them rejecting their usual behaviors. Absolutely. Before him, Daphne would have been betrothed to that prince in two days. He would have been out banging every chick in town. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And um oh my goodness. And then speaking of they actually like each other, the promenade, they have the talk. At this point, Daphne uh, is asking him like, "Hey, what goes on in a relationship after marriage?" And he was like, "You know, stuff happens." And she's like, "But what stuff?" And he took his time to explain to her Ooh, Jesus. what happened. And I'm just like, I'm fanning myself right now. Girl. He was like, oh, the stuff you do when you're alone. What do I do when I'm alone? Ashley, when I tell you, <laughs> when I tell you, I was like, I was Daphne. Daphne was I when I was like <laughs> so young. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. What? Well, I'm nasty because I, this scene right here, I felt the flutters. I was like, can somebody come whisper in my ear real quick? Oh my goodness. This was perhaps my favorite scene in the entire show. Again, I'm nasty. So I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this heavily. I was like, oh my God. I was like, the look on her face though. It was like, okay, good to know. And guess but what it was she did? such good acting. It was such it like was. felt that like vulnerability and like like innocence. And for mm-hmm. him to be telling her this, it was like the the coming into a certain sense of womanhood. Oh my gosh! I like I said, I felt it, mm. girl. And then um, the next, you know, more important scene. Uh, Daphne went to her bedroom and turned on oops there goes my shirt over my head <laughs> and missy oh elliott has to tell y'all one more time that show was not about masturbation the lies that's a lie missy don't lie to me Bro. i'm turning red who could this be what you talking about <laughs> that ain't just appreciation for your skin anyway Girl. i digress the sub- the subtleness of the scene as far as her masturbation scene goes is so refreshing compared to a lot of shows these days. And I have in my notes, Mrs. Fletcher. I don't know if you watch that on HBO. I don't. Mm-mm. I'm a big fan of Catherine Hahn, but mm-hmm. I was so tired of seeing her masturbate in this show. I almost stopped watching it. <laughs> almost oh, wow. every episode. Almost every was episode. Because it's supposed to be about like her sexual awakening at a certain age and time yeah. in her life. I know and she's I get an internester, that. but yeah. But the but the the subtlety of this era made this so much spicier because we yes. have the complete opposite in society now. It feels very like very true. That's very oh, it true. Was, oh, mm. and she had the rose he gave her. <laughs> but even the wonder the wonderful way they ended it with her finishing her piece and Eloise being like, "So you finished?" and that being yes. a nod to her coming. You know what I mean? Yes. Like all of that, just the the very subtleness. I, yes. I agree. And yeah, you don't you don't always need to be so blunt, right? Like mm-hmm. in 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 the matters of the heart, of the heart. But Come whisper a little nineteenth century language in my ear, baby. <sighs> he said pinnacle, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> after this promenade, um, after this conversation, Lady Danbury 
kind of had to come come to Jesus talk with Simon like you know poop or get off the pot right like mm-hmm. what are you doing what are your intentions and apparently this got to him because he cut her off so hard so harshly like he was like we were never friends you were oh, merely a um, convenience a convenience and and it reminded she, me of sebastian and cruel intentions remember when he has that talk with reese where he's pushing yes. her away because of the bet oh uh, but he said we were friends we were friends what a ridiculous notion that mm-hmm. is crushing so daphne is crushed okay and um you know this was this was hard and more bad news um marina gets a letter she gets a letter for her from her soldier boo and he is essentially cutting it off he's talking about i don't even know you i don't know this baby the baby ain't mine like (laughs) i am not the father (laughs) um and she is crushed but you find out very quickly that lady featherington forged that letter that was evil that was evil. The one thing about the show, I will say, there wasn't an overarching bitch in the show, right? Like everybody had um, nuances to themselves, but there wasn't like a queen bee. There was no Regina George to constantly hate because honestly, True. I was really nervous. I was prepared to not like um, Featherington, Lady Featherington, because she was just the way she was trying to downplay Marina to the other people of society, and they were like, "Oh, she's quite gorgeous," and she was like, "Oh, well, you know." <laughs> I kept wondering, like, is this supposed to be racial? You know what I mean? Like, where is this animosity yes. stemming or from? Class. Or, cla- or class, or class, or You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah, um, just just heartbroken. And then, lastly, the most important thing from this episode is after being completely crushed by simon and also being confronted by miss cowper daphne decided i threw my hair toss check my nails you know she was (laughs) like how you feeling feeling good as hell because she walked into that last ball feeling herself and she had everyone's attention mm-hmm. baddest bitch in the room is what she i put threw that fan on the floor and was like sir picked it please pick it up ate it up and guess what he did he gleefully picked that <laughs> fan and he said i must have up. your first dance and simon was saudi as heck yeah. saudi I wrote down too, it seemed like she had never really truly wielded her power that she had right daphne knew that she possessed it but she had never wielded it till this moment but she had to unlock it with her sexual awakening oh is that what it is this is how these stories go i can't say Mm -hmm. if this is true or not but it was like she you know she had her first heartbreak she had her first big o and uh (laughs) 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 she was ready to go okay yeah yeah I feel you. Very true. Valid, true, all the things. You got this. All right. Last episode, an affair of honor. Daphne receives a stunning gift from the Prince Frederick, but soon courts scandal at a ball. Eloise searches for clues to Lady Whistledown's identity. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so Daphne and her mama are invited to the palace, and the prince gives her this gorgeous diamond necklace. And guess what, Ashley? She only has thoughts of thoughts of Simon. Damn it! This prince is so sweet. He's so he would do anything she wanted him to do too. But she Mm -hmm. ain't thinking about him. She's thinking about that broken man who got daddy issues. But who knows how to have a good conversation? <laughs> that chemistry. It's chemistry. It's something that cannot be uh, created or duplicated. It's, it's real. Um, Eloise and Penelope talk about um, them wanting independence and wanting to not just wait to be chosen, but to fly. And mm-hmm. then uh, Eloise is inspired to uncover the identity of Lady Whistledown because she herself admires the independence and um, the, the, the wealth <laughs> that's associated with this hustle. Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes on this grand search. Um, there's a boxing match, Ashley. Yeah. And our boy Will is, this is his expedition game. And he has Simon to stay because after he broke it off with Daphne, he is... He was ready. He was ready to go. He was ready to go anywhere but there because, again, he has never been loved or hugged, and he didn't. <laughs> he runs away from all signs of caring because he doesn't understand it's the foreign feeling for him, you know. Uh, <laughs> except for Lady Danbury. Except for Lady Danbury. Exactly. The one, the one tie he has. But Daphne shows up at this boxing expedition and our match and she's on the arm first with her brother Antony, but then the prince and the prince is talking about babies and everything, Ashley. I know. And, uh, but luckily, <clears throat> we're for everybody black. Will won. Beat uh- <laughs> <laughs> some ass. And Simon and Daphne stills glances of each other throughout the whole time when Daphne got a whole ass prince talking about babies with her. She is looking at that broken man from across Allura, the room. This judgment. You you have you know. You know that it's love. You know she at this point her feelings is deep. It's poor decision making. Okay, you got to be You're speaking with your head. She's feeling with her heart. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we all know this was not it's unfortunate, but the love is there with Simon. It is not there with the princess, lovely and wonderful as he appears to be. <laughs> um, <clears throat> He'd be after the match in real life. He would be. He would be. But I would. I, I don't know. I like good guys, so maybe not. I don't know. You would fall for Simon. Quit playing, girl. <laughs> you you, bet, you talking real tough on this mic. You better quit playing. <laughs> I would have respected his wishes. He said he ain't gonna never get married. What do I look like? After all these little hidden conversations and him awakening you to certain things, you would have been ten toes down too. You better stop playing. Girl, (laughs) moving on. Okay. Apparently, Mama um, Bridgerton was not happy about uh, Daphne going to a boxing because ladies don't go to boxing matches. But guess what? 
it ha- it worked because her brother has <clears throat> a proposal in mm. hand. So essentially, he he got the the prince the princess smitten, and he was ready to propose. And guess what was Daphne's first reaction to it? So so soon, soon? girl, <laughs> girl, your disappointment. <laughs> It'll continue, okay? So, her mom, though, very, not that impressed, because the mom does drop the ball later on in the series, but she sees that Daphne's not really feeling the prince the way, you know, the level of excitement isn't there. And she's just like, you know, babe, you can always go to Simon. And she's like, Simon's not available, mom. (laughs) It was all a ruse. It was all a ruse. And her mom was just like, oh my goodness, honey, I had no idea. (laughs) But it was eye-opening to see that her mother, even given the era, wanted her daughter to find love over rank. I thought that was a very powerful mother-daughter moment. Exactly, exactly. And that that showed a lot of heart, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned, because guess what uh, Featherington would have done? Okay. Oh yeah. Look what she Anthony was, was trying to get her married off to. I mean, thank God for her mother. Exactly. Because her mama has eyes too. Because that's mm-hmm. the one thing Anthony is like, I wish you would get a chick you weren't attracted, remotely attracted to. I don't he care about her credentials or do, nothing. He didn't want nothing to do with any woman outside of Sienna. So no. Exactly. Um but it's so funny because Daphne's confessing to her mom that it was all a ruse and she's crying. She's like, um, she was like, I'm really okay. I'm really happy. And it's like, you wouldn't be crying this much if you were. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really love this necklace, mom. Stop asking me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. But uh, again, Lady Danbury is always there to tell Simon about himself. And as he's preparing to leave, because again, completely heartbroken, because again, revenge over everything for him. Um, she was like, how dare you let this young girl slip, slip through your fingers? And, you know, she's like, I know you view love and devotion as trite and futile, but she's like, love conquers all. And I'm just like, this is very rainbows and butterflies. But yeah, because mm-hmm. we also find out that they do bring up race very briefly and stating that if their king hadn't married Charlotte, their people would not have gained their status in their society. Yes. So this is like the only time they bring it up. And I thought it was very interesting that and in how they decided to do that. And that's also why I brought up earlier about his father and about his father seeming like he may have taken it to another level in terms of rank because he talks about in that one of his first talks with Simon early on when he was a kid that, um, you know, we were assigned this and I can't just let this fall in anybody's hands. And you could see as a black man how he might have felt in that era, mm-hmm. but it does not justify his behavior whatsoever, obviously, At all. but because that was just another layer him as a person obviously lacked some yeah he was he completely he was a heartless person he didn't care about his wife he didn't care about his child he only cared about his rank 
And you should never be that focused on something like that, that it trumps humanity, obviously. But it just, in my opinion, gave an extra layer to understanding why his father also behaved the way he did. Again, that's the only little bit of grace I give him because he was a monster. A monster. And lastly, Simon ends the conversation and he says that he believes love changes nothing. Mm -hmm. It feels like it, it, it can come as quickly as it goes. And I put in my notes, this man needs a hug. Aww. We are now at Troll Bridge Ball. True Bridge Brawl. I, I just have peanut butter in my mouth. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Daphne is being twirled around by this prince. And he is ready. Ready to propose. And she goes into a panic, Ashley. She goes into panic and in the middle of him about to say, will you be my wife? She's just like, I need, I need to take a breather. Yeah. I'm spotting Simon somewhere around here. Thought he was gone. I thought he was gone. And I thought he wasn't there too. I thought it was just another, just her imagination. Mm-hmm. But apparently it wasn't. And she goes out into, she goes outside and there is Simon. Apparently Lady Danbury got to him because he decided to go to the ball to bid farewell to Daphne. They go in, they have an interesting exchange. So I'll start with this. She was like, you don't, you don't need to tell me bye because we're not friends. And essentially Daphne is just telling him that I'm over it and I'm over these games that you're playing with me. And so she's really giving, giving a brave face and she goes and tells them, I'm going to be a princess. (laughs) With all the conviction she does not truly have in her heart. (laughs) And Simon says nothing. And she runs into the garden and Simon follows her. And Ashley, he kept, he catches up to her and they passionately kiss. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a quick break right here and say, when I watched this the first time, I had utter dread. Mm. I was dread. I was like, you are not about to make out with this dude and quote unquote, tamper yourself. And he's not going to marry you, boo. You got a prince ready to propose and you out here making out with a man who's unavailable Mm. and guess what antony finds them in the garden and demands simon marry her for you know for tainting his sister Mm -hmm. and what does simon say ashley simon says no i cannot i will not marry Daphne busted lip and all I'm sorry I can't do it I will not marry you and she is in awe she was like what do you mean and then so Antony's like a duel a duel if you are not gonna marry her a duel and he was like all right sure and Daphne's like you are rather die than marry me what did you think about this whole scene Ashley I felt, for one, that yet again, Antony 
is getting in the middle of things he does not fully understand. Ooh, interesting. But at the same time, I felt that in this one moment for once, I felt his anger to be justified. Yes. Because for sure, at this point, Simon is putting Daphne, to your earlier point, in a very precarious situation. We've already talked about this is an era where women cannot be seen in the company of men without a chaperone. And yet y'all are out here fully mad. I thought, I mean, he was lifting up her dress. I'm like, are you about to rip that dress off? He had a handful of her bosom. It was... It was intense, but I didn't get a chance to enjoy their first kiss because this is their first kiss, by the way. I didn't even get a chance to enjoy it because I'm thinking, again, I'm very pragmatic in my thinking, okay? It's like, you don't touch her, you don't kiss her. You're technically not even supposed to be in the same room uh, by yourself. Alone. But it wasn't surprising at this point because, again, things have been building romantically. No, but But I was concerned about her. No, me too. The duel took it to another level. I'm like, oh, this is the era where we challenge people to the death? Oh, Oh, wow. It Ashley. This got real, real. Okay. And so a distraught Daphne goes back to the ball and... uh, uh, Little Miss um, Cressida. Cal- Cressida. I, I've been calling her by her last name. She asked her if she got a chill in the garden. <laughs> Being real petty. Being mm. real petty. And so the rest but of the episode oh go ahead real quick mm-hmm. the reason why Cressida at this point is being so petty is because of the rivalry she feels like she has with Daphne for the affections of the prince, the prince. because Thank Cressida you. actually likes him and feels that this is a her only chance, chance for her and her mother earlier says oh my daughter has the money but to Mrs. Bridgerton to uh your daughter has the looks so when yes. your own mama talks trash on your name <laughs> you can see why Cressida may be a little insecure yeah go ahead girl. although although if Cressida was in any 90s movie, she would be Regina George, but okay. She would definitely be <laughs> in the squad of cheerleaders that are walking down the hall. Absolutely. Even if she wasn't number one, she'd be two or three on the side, so. Exactly. Um, and speaking to the Daphne Simon storyline, um, the evening is full of the Br- Bridgerton brothers coming together, preparing for this duel. Daphne is distraught she's just like you know I am a woman you make it seem like it was only Simon's idea I put myself in this position too you know we can work this out you can't be so uh reckless I realize again Antony's recklessness has a lot to do with him being the firstborn and that his dad dying so unexpectedly young Mm -hmm. and so he feels like he might have a similar fate to his father so he's kind of boss to the walls kind of guy um he was very patronizing though towards Daphne because in my opinion Daphne is so much more uh intelligent in her maneuvering and the way that she sees things because Daphne is beyond this relationship with Simon Daphne is very practical she is very true I gather that as well. And um, getting ready for this duel, uh, duel uh, Anthony go see, went to go see his um, opera boo one last time. Aww. And uh, they, they have their moments. <laughs> and uh, again, it's 
the morning of the duel and Daphne got no sleep and she goes and convinced Colin to tell her where the duel is. And during this time, um, Simon uh, has Will as his second. And again, the second born Bridgerton is Antony's uh, second um, Benedict. And I put in my notes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> ten dual <Sure>. commandments. <laughs> this so reminded me of, um, what was the movie that came out back in the 90s with Paul Walker and Joshua Jackson? Was it The Skulls? Ooh, I did enjoy that movie. That's um, what this I, scene reminded me of a little bit. Really? Because remember, they have a duel, and their saying was, we live by the sword, we die by the sword. Yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry, that was a throwback, y'all. That was a throwback. That's a deep cut. (laughs) Yeah, R.I.P. Paul Walker. I know, and like hard eyes for Josh. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. So right at the moment that they both take their shot, Daphne is in the middle and she is thrown off her white horse in a moment of panic. They check to see how she's doing. She's fine. She has a heart to heart with Simon. She's like, you, you can't go through with this. We have to figure out something because we were seen. And if you, if we don't figure out something, I will be ruined. And he was like, I'm sorry, we cannot get married. And so he opens up during this moment and told her that if we were to met wed, I can never give you children. And I know that is what you deserve. I know that is what you want. And I cannot ask you for this sacrifice. And Anthony comes back to Simon and Daphne and informs them that we have to resume this duel before we get caught. And Daphne closes this episode by stating, no need to continue. Simon and I are getting married. Dun, dun, dun. Meet me at the altar in your white dress. You know, I hated that song, by the way, because oh. what type of proposal is that? We ain't getting no younger. Please marry me for love. Please marry me because you can't live without me. Somebody was keeping it all the way real. That was <laughs> that was some real songwriting. Jagged Edge is like, listen, let's just keep it 100. <laughs> ain't nobody getting married out of because I want to. I'm getting married because I guess it's about that time. So. so, Ashley, what did you think about Daphne forcing Simon to marry her? I wouldn't even say I felt like she forced him at this moment. I think she made a, a call, which was... It was a bold call. Yeah, you may think that you're supposedly doing what's in my best interest, but we both know at this point that this is what needs to happen. So again, to my thought that Daphne has always been very practical, besides her obvious intentions with Simon and not his unavailability, at this particular moment in time, this is the most practical solution. Because to her point, she probably would have been ruined. Cressida was going to run her mouth. Um, yes. Simon was never, in my opinion, really going to want to leave Daphne alone. So let's just you go ahead and get so. married. I don't. The way mm. that things were going, I think he would have returned to town at some point and be like, listen, I made a mistake. I love you, girl. I made a mistake. 
So no, I think that this was a practical solution. But at this time, I was wondering, how is this really going to work out? Because Daphne, we know that you want some babies. So That's all she wanted. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do from here? And again, her being so naive, she didn't even know the mechanics of that. Um, Bless her whole heart. There was one other item that I felt worth note, which was the Featheringtons and the fact that they were broke. Girl, yes. Thank you for that. I... I kind of uh, went over that for the sake of time, but yes, mm-hmm. um, Lady Featherington started searching through the study, and she confronted her husband, and his gambling problems have put them in major debt. We mm-hmm. find out that Marina is actually there because it was a favor to a man that he owes money to. And therefore, I have to say, I have always thought he was creepy AF. I was concerned that he had some weird arrangement with Marina when they when she first got there, like the way he would stare at her. I'm like, is that secretly his daughter that we just don't know about? Or not leave, like when she was like, are you going to go for your walk? Oh, it looks like it's going to rain. What are you talking about? It's not about the rain. Creepy. What was his intentions? You couldn't really tell. But again, tell. because the series is set up where the Feather- Featheringtons and the Bridgertons are the two main families. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason why I wanted to make a point of that because, you know, it made yes. a difference in the way he was navigating his own daughter's potential arranged marriages, all of that. So that was my only last note from these first and, four. And the last um, thing about the Featheringtons, Penelope snapped at Eloise. Eloise is... Oh, yes, know, she sure did. Is mm-hmm. very invested in the identity of Lady Whistledown and Penelope told her, you know, I am a single woman out here in these streets and my concerns are much bigger than these. Yeah. And also she was she was unfortunately taking out frustration she had from Marina and Colin because at this point you see Marina seemingly intending to take advantage of the feelings Colin has developed for her. Yes. And Penelope's not here for it. So not that was just a little, that was some misplaced frustration on Penelope's part. It was. And thank you so much, Ashley. And we'll thank have you. part two next week. Are you ready yes, for ma'am. the hidden gems? I am. You want me to go first? Yes, please. I'm going to try to roll through these. I do have four this week, but that's just because there's been a lot of downtime, guys. So I've been watching a lot of ish. Okay. So. I'm all over the place in my streaming. So my first series is on Apple TV. It's called Homes, nine episodes. Episode one was really my favorite of the nine. It hooked me. It was this Swedish greenhouse. Uh, the premise of the series is basically yes. all these unique homes in all different parts of the world, from Sweden to uh, Bali to Chicago, all over the place. And it's for one, if you get into architecture, you get into, um, you know, uh, eco-friendly living, all of those aspects are there, but also just the, the ingenuity, the technology, all of it was dope. There's one lady in Bali who literally is making homes out of um, bamboo. It was dope. So that was Wonderful. that's on Apple TV. Um, my second series is Love Life on HBO Max. It's a 10 half hour episodes. Anna Kendrick is the star of the show. Yes, you were telling and, me about um, that. Yeah, it's just really cute. You know, it's just a little lighter type of show where you're really navigating through her love life and um, kind of her life from maybe her early 20s to possibly her early 30s time span. And you get every episode ends with the producers and Anna really talking through things. And, you know, I live for uh, after show uh, where people are talking through the dynamics. Absolutely. So 
loved that about the series. My third is a uh, is Yearly Departed on Amazon. Uh, this was yes, a, a film. That. It was so it was so interesting. So it was hosted mm-hmm. by Phoebe Johnson from Two Dope Queens. Mm-hmm. It's a comedy special and features eulogies for 2020 with an all-star lineup of female comedians from Tiffany Haddish to Sarah Silverman to Natasha Rothwell to Natasha Laguero. The highlight of the whole thing for me almost, though, was the discovery of the song Low Key Fuck 2020 by Avenue Beat that Mm -hmm. ended it. I was like, Mm -hmm. I never knew this song existed, but I am completely here for it. Um, My final is Dare Me. This is a series on Netflix. It was originally a USA Network show. I saw that. I didn't watch it, but yeah. You definitely should watch it. It took on a new life getting added to Netflix. I believe it was in Netflix's top 10 when it first dropped. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's It's a teen drama series based in the world of high school cheerleading. It's 10 episodes. It I absolutely need a season two of this show. And mm. USA Network canceled it. So everybody's hoping that because of the popularity on Netflix, it gets a season two. Uh, rarely do I do this, but I signed a petition on change.org for a season wow. two because that's how invested and how much I enjoyed season well, one. Then. Yes, ma'am. So I'm gonna need y'all Netflix if you're listening. I'm gonna need you to go ahead and get that, get that together. So those wow. are my four hidden gems for this week. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Ashley. You're welcome. And I know I was talking fast, guys. Don't forget, these are always listed in our information wherever you're listening to your podcast. Exactly. All right. So my hidden gems this week. The first will, uh, the first is Outlander. So I actually found Outlander when I was mourning the end of Game of Thrones. I was looking for some type of fantasy, some type of, you know, period piece. And uh, Outlander is a historical drama television show based on the novels of the same name. And it's, uh, it comes on the Stars Network. Again, Morning Game of Thrones found it on Netflix, the first three seasons. And I was hooked. Okay, we're talking um, this woman during the, fir- the end of the First World War goes to Ireland. She touched some rocks and then she's teleported to uh, the history. Uh, I'm sorry, I said Ireland, Scotland. And she's teleported back in history and uh, she falls in love with this redheaded Scotsman who is played by this gorgeous actor named um, Sam, um, what is his name? Helen? Helen? I don't know how to pronounce it right now. He plays Jamie Fraser. He's gorgeous, by the way. So if you're into like the romance and a little bit of a period piece, uh, it's a little bit distraught because there's a lot of war. It's actually, men can enjoy it too because the war scenes are fantastic fantastic in it um but you get the romance and uh, some really intense sex scenes so uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> including some rapes which is why which is it, a lot I to, uh, yeah i'm still it, not finished in today's time i'm i recommend it because the love stories are wonderful but season after season it does it does weigh on you just a little bit, but the first two seasons are my favorite. There's, there are a total of five seasons. Um, the second hidden gem this week is a YouTube video. Um, it's a Netflix UK and Ireland 
Um, it's on that channel. It's called Drag Queens, the Vivian and Monet Exchange React to Bridgerton. It is hilarious. Okay. I love drag queens. Monet Exchange is one of my favorite drag queens. And the way they talk about Bridgerton is a joy. So highly hilarious. And then my final hidden gem would be Reggae Jean Page Instagram. And the reason why I specifically (laughs) am bringing up his Instagram is because I have been following his Instagram since I started watching the show. So I didn't watch it exactly on Christmas Day, but I watched it in two days. And when I watch things, I like to Google people and look up their Instagrams. And when I first saw his page, he was around 92,000 followers. When I started following him, he was around 100,000. So a week after Bridgerton was out, he had... 1.1 million followers Mm -hmm. as of today he has 1.7 million followers Mm -hmm. the thirst is real and i'm here for it and i it just it just brought me joy and more importantly i i look forward to his career i i was mentioning beards earlier i followed him on roots the remake of roots and i also followed him on we the people which is another shonda rhyme show that only got two seasons Knew he was handsome, didn't do anything for me. He got that beard in Bridgerton. And then he's also <laughs> brooding. He's also very brooding and very yeah. wounded. You know, women love a, a, a broken wing bird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, those are my hidden gems this week. Okay, perfect. Well, guys, thank you for sticking with us for our first half of Bridgerton. We will come back with our second half, episodes five through eight next week. Galora, what is our ask of our listeners this week? Yes, we would love to hear from you all. More importantly, we would love to hear your ratings for the shows that we recap. So feel free to reach us through social media at Recap and Podcast. Um, on both Instagram and Twitter, preferably Instagram. Go ahead and DM DM us there. Um, And we will share your rating in a post and or Insta stories. So um, you'll you'll get exposures both way. So. And if you happen to not be on social media, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast as well. No worries. Of course. Because we also have a, a Gmail account. So it's at, it's, it's recapping, po- is it recapping at gmail.com, I believe? Recapping podcast at recapping podcast at gmail.com. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I know we've been a little long this week, so we'll go ahead and get out of here. Have a blessed day, week, what have you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.